Boy, I wish that we had seen the second season of Fleabag. Oh, we ha- I didn't know there was a second season. It's out in the UK. Oh, okay. We we could see it. Probably. If we put our minds to it. Yes. Uh, maybe we will soon. Okay. And have a review of it soon. That'd be great. If we survive the heat stroke. <laughs> yes. I'm going to do something. This is... We, we complain all the time about the heat. Yes, we do. And we should complain to the powers that be and not to the audience. But right. my computer is so hot that the fan is doing that thing where it cycles up to full. Yes. And I have an auxiliary fan that I usually put on that literally blows on the components right. to keep the, <laughs> the heat down. Right. The regular fan is so loud, I'm just going to turn the auxiliary fan on. And so oh, okay. you're going to hear, and short of turning like a room fan on yes. to cool us, I'm yes. going to cool the machinery so it doesn't cack Over, out on us in the middle of, of the show here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway, so if you hear a little bit, I apologize for the uh, sound quality, but we got to, machines are more important than us. <laughs> I guess that's true in a lot of ways. <laughs> no, the truth is, is that machines are more delicate than us. Yeah. Something made of yeah. steel, silicon is somehow uh, less resilient yes. than something made of flesh. Tell that to, to the Terminators. We can... Well, they're both. They're both steel and flesh. Uh, yeah, I suppose you're right. Gotcha there. Oh, yes. BTFO. Oh, right. Uh, no, but uh, we can we can handle it. We'll complain to yeah. no end, but right. <laughs> we can handle it. Right. Uh, so anyway, what I wanted to say about Fleabag was, you know that Phoebe Waller-Bridge uh, is a talented writer as well as a star of stage and screen. I did not know she was a writer as well. Well, who do you think wrote Fleabag? Oh, I suppose she did write that, didn't she? <laughs> BTFO. <laughs> Where's my sound machine? It's too hot. It broke. Uh, she's been called in to work on the latest Bond script. She's going to be doing really? punch-ups on Bond 25. Okay. She's also the creator of Killing Eve, a show that we don't watch. Oh, I didn't know that she was the creator of Killing Eve. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that's interesting. Um... I guess the Bond script will be funny in parts. I just want a, the Bond girl to like turn to the camera and be like... Say something sassy. He's so hot, but he's kind of mean, but... <laughs> he always takes me out for really expensive meals. Right. Am I right. shallow? I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's what Accurate, I want to see. Right? Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know what to think about that. Yeah. I, I don't know either. I mean... Um, Has a Bond script... I'm sure this has happened in the past. Has it ever needed polishing? I I didn't know that it did. Um, I mean, the last couple of Bond scripts have been pretty bad. So um, yeah, it probably wouldn't be bad if there was another pass at it. You know. Yeah, my thing is just like having Purvis and Wade, who are the perennial Bond writers of this, you know, most recent sort of iteration of Bond, mm-hmm. just just hump another dead moose to get this out yeah i'm excited about this yeah like i don't know i mean i i like her i she's really talented it doesn't necessarily mean that she can do a spy movie script right but uh she's not doing the whole thing purvis and wade Mm -hmm. did come in to do a pass on what john hodge had already um done when mendes was going to do it again okay and then of course it was um uh, what's his name? Um, Fukunaga had came in to replace him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, uh, we've already had a bunch of names on this, but right. yeah, I mean, what would happen if it had a little more perspective? 
Um, I think it could go a long way, actually. Um, and I, I think it could be a stronger script. So. They already did a big deal for the 50s. So will they do something for 25? What's 25 going to mean for James Bond? Um, I don't know. That's a really great question. Um, so for 50, you mean like 50 years of Bond and then like 25? Is that like 25 films? Yeah, the 25th okay. film. Not counting, I assume, Never Say Never Again. Right, right. Um, I think they'll probably try to do something equally as big um, to celebrate. and uh, But maybe Wather's input can um, uh, bring it kind of like some more realistic like parts to it because like there's parts of bond that it's it's kind of like a fairy tale in a way you know <laughs> like yeah he's this uh, you know the spy and like he, he drives these fast cars and all the ladies love him and you know uh we have all the time in the world right so maybe um she'll bring some grounding to it or you know some more like real world like sensibility to it or something like you know that. those moments when it, he jumps over a train he does something crazy and then he straightens his tie or whatever do you think yeah. we'll have more moments like that i hope so but maybe those are meant to uh bolster his suaveness right do you think we'll get some moments that sort of undercut it we've seen that before um with more i think and sometimes with um maybe maybe with dalton because i think that um Brosnan was was pretty smooth, and he rarely yeah. ever got, you know, if he was if he, he ever was he was rarely on the back foot, and if he was, it was because well, right, he was like right. a very very seriously wounded. Clearly, right, right, no man exactly. would make that sound otherwise. <laughs> so maybe we'll get some more like, oh, it's no problem. I've got this right here. Oh, whoa, look out! Oh, I slipped on a banana peel. Yeah, I mean, can Bond, that would be fun. Too. Bond can take that. Yes, that's happened before. I think so. Yeah, he's smooth, but. I think the the you know the Star Lords the sort of uh, slightly bumbling heroes. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I don't know. Do you care about James Bond? <laughs> um. Well, I mean, uh, yes. I mean, I I like James Bond. I I think that they're they're more than a friend. Well, <laughs> I think they're fun films for the most part, except the last couple have been maybe a little too serious. So I think it would be great to add some levity to them. I think they feel that, too. Yeah. I think they feel that, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I'm, mean, the last one was serious and ridiculous at the same time. Yeah. And it didn't seem to realize that it was ridiculous in that way where the Bond franchise can embrace its ridiculousness. Mm -hmm. Like it had just gone into bathos right <laughs> right instead yeah. of uh, past pathos right into bathos right and so exactly uh yeah uh is rami malik going to take over the role of blofeld oh boy i don't know um i know christopher waltz as like the bad guy was not no more yeah i know he it was it was just kind of ridiculous um which is too bad because he's a good bad guy but yeah but He's played that role. I know. Before. I know. I can. I understand why he was like, I don't need to do this. Yeah, right. I'll do exactly. something else. I'll be done yeah. now. <laughs> I just want to see a scene where they're about to get it on and the girl's like, 
you don't have a condom? He's like, well, uh, no, I'm James Bond. She's like, well, we should, you know, we should get a condom. You right. Know? And so right. she makes him go out and he's standing in the rain outside of a chemist's, you know, waiting for them to open so he can go in and get the condom. Right. And in the meantime, she's like just sitting in bed, you know, on Facebook and she turns to the camera and she's like, I mean, sometimes I take a chance, but what are we talking about here? This guy, who knows where he's been? <laughs> Some Phoebe Waller-Bridge stuff. Uh, anyway, uh, let's. We should get her to write this show. Yeah, it'd be way funnier and more quirky. <laughs> it's a Just Enough Trope podcast. I'm your host Caliban, joined as always by my co-host. Hi, I'm Yukihana. And we're here to talk, kind of, about Star Wars. Kind of. Kind of. Star Wars Celebration was, of course, this weekend. Yes. And we'll try to do our best to talk about what's going on in the world of Star Wars. It's a lot of Star Wars news. It's a lot of Disney Plus news as well. Right. And just general news from the Disney franchise is being pumped out over this weekend, giving mm-hmm. us a media blitz. Yes. About all the developments we can expect to see from Disney properties, but most specifically Star Wars. Yes. But I think there was a um, a noted lack or at least a balance between general Disney news and Star Wars news. You think oh, Star sure. Wars news would have overwhelmed it, but yes. Star Wars is getting ready to take a break. Yeah, I guess. A um, rumspringer. Yeah. A year abroad. Star Wars is going on a <laughs> year abroad. Sure. We'll talk about that later. Uh, of course, Game of Thrones is back. Yes. And so we're here to talk about... Game of Thrones, the new season, the last, uh, or the first episode, but the the most recent episode, the Mm -hmm. premiere of season eight, and what is entailed with that, uh, spoilers uh, will be there, and we'll let you know when they come, don't worry about it, Mm -hmm. and we've got Comic Book Club back again this week, we wanted to celebrate the birthday of Superman, which is belated, because we didn't want Batman to get all the glory, as he always does, Right? he can't even fly. What the hell? Not without, like, tools. Yeah. No. So we want to talk about Superman 2. We're talking about yeah. All-Star Superman by yes. Frank Quitely and Grant Morrison mm-hmm. to celebrate that. How you doing? I'm doing good. What'd you get Superman? what I get Superman for yeah, his for birthday? Because uh, technically you, it's from the both of us. What do you get for the man who has everything as the... Don't the get all. Come on. Well, it's fr- it's based on an Alan Moore yeah, story. I know. So nice, good call. Except you didn't know it was a comic. Um, okay, whatever. <laughs> um, let's see, what did I get, Superman? Um, I got him some uh, milk bones for his dog, Crypto. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I did actually go out and get something. I got him a rock made of dwarf star material oh. to put his key. Under that's also oh. made of dwarf star material. Nice. Yeah, you can't just have it laying out in the open. Well, somebody else from Krypton might come along and pick it Don't up. Don't spoil it. <laughs> we'll get to it right after the news. So we just got a ton of news actually from mm-hmm. the nerd sphere, mm-hmm. uh, and we I guess we wanted to start with general Disney stuff. Um, sure. It has been announced that uh, Jeremy Renner will be starring in a Hawkeye series at Disney Plus. Yes, I heard about that, and he's going to hand over the bow and arrow, so to speak, to Kate Bishop. She can get her own. Yeah, I know. We don't really know anything beyond that. Do you think now that as people have kind of speculated mm-hmm. that uh Catherine waterford or waterston or no that's sam waterston uh, Catherine yeah. langford 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 uh from 13 reasons why who we know is in mm-hmm. endgame but we don't know in what capacity people mm-hmm. have speculated that she might be kate, kate bishop. bishop do you think that she will be on this marvel series well, if she's Kate Bishop, well, yeah, then, yeah, yeah, yeah. then yeah. yes. But definitely. there's all kinds of recasting. We don't know if it's her. I'm just saying, 
if we plug this new piece of the puzzle in, mm-hmm. does the piece of puzzle look like Kate Langford's face? <laughs> right. Um, I'm going to say yes. Um, she's done TV before. Yeah, she's doing movies and she's doing other sorts of things, but I is don't she, think she's... Is she doing movies? Well, she is. Being fourth down the line in Love, Simon. Yeah, I know. And then... Has she been in a costume drama? I feel like she's perfect. Probably. You can plug her into the Scottish girl or the English queen or the <laughs> whatever Spanish princess or yeah, whatever. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, but she's not beyond doing TV, so I think she could definitely do this no, Disney it's Plus. It's not TV. It's Disney Plus. Well, all right, fine. Whatever. <laughs> Streaming. Yeah. Um, I, I think she could totally do that. Um I don't feel like the girl we see in the trailer for Endgame that he's teaching how to do that doesn't look like Archer uh, H does Langford. not look like Catherine Langford. No. I'm thinking that's probably his daughter. So I don't know how Kate Bishop exactly fits in here, but um, she could very well be in the film. They just didn't want to show any footage of her because they didn't want to give it away. Or she's just like, in the crowd, and she's like, wow, that bow's really cool. Right. Hmm. Right. Uh, Tell me more. We don't get a whole lot of her, maybe. Yeah. Uh, she could just be in one scene, like you're saying. Check so. that out. Uh, yes. Uh, we will see about that. Mm-hmm. There are more shows. More. Do you hear me? Yeah, I do hear you. are going to be on Disney+. Plus. They've actually released an entire kind of slate okay. of what we can expect to see coming out of Disney+. Plus. Uh, there's a couple live action series. I'll only stick with the ones that are more cleaving to our sort of genre thing. Like, sure. no offense, High School Musical, the musical, the series, which is an amazing title and shows me that wow. I think they, they get what this is. Right. And I'm actually kind of excited <laughs> to see what they do with it. Uh, we're not going to talk about that. No. Uh, other Marvel series in the works are, of course, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, yes. which will feature Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan. That's on TV, crazy. yeah. That is so How does crazy. this work into his nine film contract? Does every season of a yeah, of a show uh, compare to like one movie on his contract? I, I don't know. That's a really good question. Or is this like a different contract completely? Yeah, I don't know. Um, uh, we also know that uh, there will be a Loki series, and it will feature Tom Hiddleston. This is so crazy. To me. And you know what's also crazy? Hmm. There is uh, that Vision series that we uh, had heard about before. And it's called WandaVision. That might change. WandaVision. Before we get there. But anyway, it will also star Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany. This is just crazy to me that they're able to get these stars to show up front. I mean, I know it's streaming, but it's crazy to me it's that they're Disney. able to. They, they must be pulling out the big bucks yeah. for this. Uh, I should say that um, they are giving us some timing on these, like when we can kind of expect to see them. Okay. Um, I should also say uh, first that we do know, I guess this is becoming a Disney segment, Disney Plus. We know that Disney Plus will uh, come out on November 12th is when Disney Plus opens for business. Okay. It will open at six ninety nine a month. Which is a lot cheaper than a we lot call of other that streaming services. Competitive. Yeah. We call that more than competitive. Right. Now, of course, you have to factor in that it's only the entire library of Disney, Disney Marvel, and Star Marvel Wars. and Star Wars. Yeah. And I guess um, either at launch, I don't know the information on this, or eventually uh, Fox's work. Uh, oh, it's that's It's all of true their propriety too. stuff. Now, that isn't like your K-dramas. 
uh, well, right. bright. <laughs> You're going to see bright <laughs> or a Sabrina right. the Teenage Witch. But right. for half the price of Netflix, Disney is drawing a line in the sand. They're taking their mm-hmm. fat, round, yellow shoe and going, <laughs> "Yeah, step over it, bitch. Yeah, I know. So anyway, uh, as far as the timing on these, uh, it looks like the Loki series and the, um, well, just the Loki series will be available probably within a year. Okay. But not right away. Okay. Um, the, or excuse me, the, the Falcon and Winter Soldier one will be available within a year. Oh, The Loki okay. and WandaVision one will be probably a year or two out. Okay. So these are probably conceptual. Clearly nothing's well, been filmed at this point. I mean, since they are technically movie stars, they, they have to film them when they're available. So they have to plan that out. That's true. So it's not necessarily going to be right You're away. You're not telling them anything they don't know. Yeah. But that is absolutely true. Uh, something that I found kind of interesting is uh, that there will be a What If series, and it will be an animated series. Now, this is the first animated okay. series directly from Marvel uh, Studios. This isn't a... Um, Heroes Rising or, or whatever the um, the recent um, Girl Team one is. Right. Uh, this is directly from Marvel Studios, and it will follow the... I think this is a great idea. It'll be an anthology series based mm-hmm. on the What If comic series mm-hmm. where we take things that we know from the Marvel Universe and we ask different things. And it won't be going like, what if the Silver Surfer... Uh, what if Zen La was saved by the Silver Surfer or whatever? Right. Was Zen La his homeworld or his girlfriend? I can't I remember. Know. It doesn't matter. Uh, this will all be... 10 years of the Marvel Universe, what if different things? So the first one, the one that they sort of put out as the uh, proof of concept was, what if Peggy Carter took the Soldier Serum instead of Steve Rogers? Yeah, that's, I want to see that. And it's animated. Yeah. So you can get, they haven't announced it. We, I think we're fairly sure that uh, that Sharon Carter, not her name. Um, Peggy Carter. What is that gorgeous woman's name? Haley Atwell. Yes, Haley Atwell. Uh, will be um, the voice of it. Um, you can get a Chris Evans. Sure. To play a tiny little Steve Rogers. Yeah, absolutely. You totally Just animated. Could. Yeah, I know. You don't have to spend much time on it. So, yeah. Um, I think they could get a lot of big names in there. They also announced some uh, nonfiction series like Marvel's Hero Project. What is that? It will be... Uh, showing the lives of uh, Marvel fans who are uh, effecting positive change in their communities. Oh, okay. So it's sort so of a like reality show. Doing like charity work or that sort of thing? I assume so, yeah. Okay. Huh. Um, this is not Marvel, but there will be a um, show called The World According to Jeff Goldblum, which... Oh, my God. Skeeves me a little, but you know, we'll see. <laughs> Well, there are a lot of Jeff Goldblum fans out there. There will be a live-action series called Marvel's 616, which will be a documentary series um, in anthological form Mm -hmm. that will... It's basically like propaganda for Marvel, but it'll just be like, I assume, going through the history of Marvel and showing... Comics, yeah, up till and then up till movies and TV and now showing how it's influenced um, society and other works and just it's the cultural context. Oh, okay, sure. Sounds good. Cultural touchstone. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'd watch that for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, it sounds like they've got a lot of stuff that people really would be excited about. So. (sighs) Certainly does. Uh, and we'll find out November twelfth. Yes. That will also be the time that 
Simpsons becomes exclusive to... To Disney. To Disney. So wherever you're watching Simpsons now, get it out now. Yeah. Watch it up. Unless you're going to get Disney Plus. Right. Uh, what else is going on? Uh, I think we talked about pretty much everything, unless we want to move into the Star Wars side of that. Probably uh, good. I should say that there will be a Cassian Andor series. Oh gosh. On uh, Marvel, which was previously okay. announced. I think I remember talking about that. Yes. Uh, it will be a live action. It will star Diego Luna. It was recently announced. It will also star Alan Tudyk as oh. K2SO. Okay. Yeah. All right. And that Give will be available. Some work. Yep, that'll be available farther down the line. Okay, sure. And then we should probably talk about um, the sort of piece de la resistance, at least at this point. A series that will be available at launch is The Mandalorian. Yeah, we um, watched some footage of that that was shown at uh, Star Wars Celebration. Yes. Uh, it looks pretty exciting. Uh, I like John Favreau's work, um, I think he's a pretty good director. So, um, just seeing big him. Big Zathura fan, you, you? Big what? Zathura. Zathura. Oh, Zath- I've never seen Space Zathura. Jumanji. No, I've never seen that. <laughs> but um, you know what he's done in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and yeah. stuff like that. Um, Two films. Yes, I know. <laughs> uh, but um, it seems like he's gotten a, a pretty good creative creative team together to work on this. Uh, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, Disney pulled out all the stops for this. I think they knew that, and we'll talk about this in a second, with the movie side maybe winding down, we need to keep it up somewhere right. else. And so maybe an episodic way, TV uh, show. Yeah, outlet is the way to do this. So they have tapped people like uh, Deborah Chow and Rick Famuiwa and Bryce right. Dallas Howard, that amazing directing talent, Bryce yeah. Dallas Howard. I, I, I was a little <laughs> thrown by that, but whatever. All you right. Know. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. Dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, of course, Favreau himself. And Taika Waititi. And Taika Waititi in a uh, Pedro Pascal friended series yeah. featuring Giancarlo Esposito, uh, Werner Herzog, <laughs> Nick Nolte, uh, Gina Carano, and. Action Jackson himself, Carl Weathers. I'm so excited to see Carl Weathers and something. Take that bantha bone. Hold, hold on. Put that in some. Put some tubers in there. Some blue milk. Baby, you got a stew going. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there is some footage available. They showed it at uh, Celebration, and yes. I don't know if it's leaked or pirated or not, but you can find it on YouTube through a couple clicks. Mm-hmm. And. Oh, it looks pretty good. I think it does look pretty good. It looks like some of the scenes from, uh, like, New Hope, uh, set on Tatooine, mm-hmm. mixed with some scenes from, like, Rogue One. Like, yes. if you like that grittier, you know, scum, wretched hive of scum and villainy side of right. the Star Wars universe, that looks like that's what this is. Yeah, and Favreau said it takes place six years after Return of the Jedi. Yes, it is set post-ROTJ. So, yeah. Um, which is yes. bold. It's not bold. We need to fill that area out. Right. But they always want to set things in between the prequel, like Rogue One, you know, in between the prequels and the uh, the classic trilogy. Right. Because it's safe. <laughs> right, right. And and this is a time period, like you said, we haven't seen a whole lot of. This is the Picard of the Star Wars universe. Yes. Yes. Um, <sighs> oh, my gosh. I had a heart attack and died. Stop it. They chisel on my tombstone. This is the Picard. Of, this is what he should be remembered for, wow. saying that this was the Picard of the Star Wars universe. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Looking forward to it? I actually am. I Will wasn't sure how Pascal I felt Will ever before. take his helmet off? Mm, I think will he will at some point. the Mandalorian point. be revealed to just be Boba Fett? He does not have a character name. Mm-hmm. Why not say he's Flip Zazbo or something, and he's just right. another Mandalorian? You know, Boba Fett famously identity hidden, only not. We know what he looks like. Yeah, right. He looks like Tamora Morrison. Right. If genetics work at all. Uh-huh. So it's actually like less mysterious than it's ever been <laughs> who Boba Fett is. Right. But they're very, being very mysterious about the Mandalorian. Are they looking for him to supplant Boba Fett as the mysterious, cool, armored guy? That could be. Or are we setting up for a reveal where, remember, this is post-Jedi. Right. He, we all assume he just climbs out of the Sarlacc after everybody's gone, right? right. He's got an armor and a jetpack. Right, so, right. Yeah. Is that what we're getting? Gosh. Oh, make room on the tombstone. Mandalorian is Boba Fett. <laughs> it's going to be a long tombstone. Yeah, it is. Have you seen the pictures of Gina Carano in this? She's... Uh. I think she. I she think is she, solid. She has like her hair kind of. She's like always one been. I mean, she's was a fighter, a professional fighter. Yeah. But I feel like she's gone like the rock direction, which is like the rock. The the tooth fairy. You yeah. Know, the rock I know. was in like a lot of like okay, you were a wrestler and a football player, right? And I feel like he had a point where it's like, screw it, if I'm not. Like, if I can't be mistaken for masonry, then, like, I'm not doing my job. <laughs> and as soon as he gained, like, 60 pounds, like, he was doing right. like, Fast and the Furious. Right. And he was, you know, yeah. So, I think Gina Carano was like, yeah, I did that Soderbergh movie, but screw this. I'm just going to, like, Bulk And up. then she was in, like, Deadpool, and she was, like, really big in that. Yeah. And so, I feel like that's just... She's carved out or smashed out, like, this path where she's just like, I'm going to walk in and people will be like, oh, boy, no. No, no, no. Don't. I, I think you're right. Don't tell her to smile. <laughs> Do not tell her to smile. The armor is just covering up her The armor is just painted body. on. Yeah. yeah. That's not, <laughs> the armor is hollow. Yeah, right. So uh, that's what we can expect out of that. Uh, we'll see. I'm, I am uh, cautiously optimistic about that. Yeah. So... Uh, I I am looking forward to it. Now. Th- there's no way that they would get us all excited about something that can't deliver. <laughs> you, uh, you, you think so? <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I feel like Star Wars has disappointed us before. Well, then, then I guess it's time to talk honest. about the Episode Nine trailer. Yes, which came okay. out at Celebration. Yes, it did. What do you think? I think it's... every generation has a legend. That's what Listen. they say. Listen. Yeah. Every generation has a legend. Mm-hmm. Which I was like, I know I've heard that before. Yeah, I have. In 1999 when it was part of the ep- uh, Prequel? episode one yeah. uh, trailer. Yeah. So that they must be doing a thing there. Yeah. Um, I just feel like they're more or less showing us things that we have already seen. Uh, just with maybe different characters. Um, we... We see, you know, our, our our favorite characters of this trilogy are there. Yeah. They are present. Yeah. They are doing things. Um, we see this very long shot of Rey at the beginning with her lightsaber. And somebody else is coming towards her in, like, a speeder or something. And, like, she flips on top of the, their yes. vehicle. Because Star Wars is anime now. Yeah. 
Star Wars may have yeah. been anime for a while, but I just realized it at this point. Yeah, because it's a quote-unquote cool move. Um, so, I, 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 I'm not excited about it. And <laughs> that's, I guess, what really kind of gets to me. Because, like, there's a part of me that's like, it's Star Wars. I should be excited. I should be anticipating this and wanting to see this. But the last film just kind of was so blah to me. And, like, you know, it's like, okay, we've got this many ships. Now we've got this many ships. And, like, it just, like, you know, progressed in such a way that was very predictable and, you know, introduced new characters that didn't really add much to the story themselves. And I wonder how it can do what it purportedly wants to do which is by quoting the trailer of the f- technically the first of this right. n- no nonology they want to bring it home full circle right and so okay that makes sense if this is going to be the conclusion of the quote-unquote skywalker saga right which it does seem to be that makes sense but then you look at it and it doesn't Feel, do you feel like the story has been tracking this through this new trilogy? Like at this point, I, I don't know who's winning. If there's a war on, who's Mm-mm. up, who's down, and this looks like <laughs> I said it was anime because of the flips and right. Like, but like also because it just seems like, and maybe this would be a good Star Wars movie. But like you said, the principal characters are all just hanging out. There's a literal shot where they're all on the hill, like yeah. posing yeah. and looking out into the distance at this thing, which is revealed to be like the broken Death Star, I guess. Uh, yeah. But it seems like a totally different. Usually these movies are kind of war movies. Right. Or slash heist movies. Mm-hmm. And this seems like an adventure movie. Like, I hope we solve this mystery, like a anime type thing. And I'm like, OK, that might be a good Star Wars movie. But how is it? the culmination of eight other movies right. leading to the, hopefully the ultimate defeat of evil. Here's how <laughs> apparently the emperor is in it. I know who, ha- who asked for this. I certainly, well, didn't. you know, the, the, the funny thing is, is that I honestly don't, when number seven came out and yes. even when number eight came out, I wasn't seeing these as being, the last, the third chapter in a three. I honestly wasn't either. A, a chapter made up of you know one trilogy a piece. Y- yeah, but it is now They're, because they it they, is they, now they told me it that. is now yeah. yeah, which I think will work, but you've kind of burned two movies. Yeah, because seven was just getting everybody back up to speed mm-hmm. and just sort of plateauing just evoking the you know the feelings of the earlier films with new characters it was like this is going to go to episode 19 and it has nothing to do with before and then (laughs) nine is like okay here we go and it's like wait a minute (laughs) the last one specifically told us that none of that mattered right now it does right which we all kind of knew but hopefully they'll find a way to integrate it you could have spent these next two movies going, there's a presence out there. The force is awakening, but what awoke. Right. It was the right, emperor. Evil. Well, I, episode eight didn't tell me it was the emperor. No. Now it's just the emperor, I right. guess. And 
it reminds me a lot of Seven, which is we're back on a desert. We're literally on a desert seeing the ruins of something from an earlier movie. It was yes. the Star Destroyer in Seven. Now it's the Death Star in Nine. Yes. I don't think that J.J. has any. I'll give you this, and I won't change my mind. I still don't like Eight, but you got to give it to that little guy. I mean, he was trying to do something. He was trying to do something, But then they brought different. J.J. in to go, I don't have any new ideas. Let's just do a seven part two yeah so i have a feeling this will be enjoyable but you'll be ready to forget it and i feel like and maybe it's just me i feel like fandom in general is ready they're just it's kind of like th- that thing where it's like just don't just don't screw it up just don't screw bring it, it home just bring yeah. it home yeah bring it home already yeah whereas we're all looking to game of thrones season seven to kick the shit out of us Mm-mm. and blow us away right I think even the mo- like your friend <laughs> who is like the biggest Star Wars fan on earth. I think even she's like, let's bring it home. Yeah. Well, yeah. Exactly. I want one. Don't screw up. Right. I don't even care if it's good. Just don't ruin it. Close it up. Right. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Right. Shut the party down. Right. And Bob Iger agrees because Bob Iger, CEO of Disney, has said that Star Wars movies will take a hiatus. After episode nines's, uh, nines's nines's release this December. Okay, I mean that makes sense to me. Um, I think maybe we all need a break from Star Wars films. Um, so here's a question for you: So the Mandalorian is going to be available as soon as Disney Plus comes out, November twelve. That's right. So we'll be able to see episodes of the Mandalorian. Before episode nine comes out. Yes. It's set after episode six, not episode I know. nine. I know. Yeah. I'm just kind of trying to track the Star Wars news. Okay. Yep. Um all right. Uh so it's just like it's bad. This is like nobody asked for the pre the prequel prequels. No. Nobody asked for these movies. Mm-hmm. But if you're gonna complete a nine movie arc nonology yeah. You really want the last one to blow everybody away. Yeah. And instead you're in a position where you are trying to, because like <laughs> I think I said to you off mic, I don't think we're going to expect a thousand broom boys to show up to help fight <sighs> the, the first order, right? You can't see me rolling my no, eyes right now. No, you're just going to, you're, you're faced with, this should be the be- biggest, best celebration of all of Star Wars. And yes. instead it's going to be like. Just don't screw it up. Right. Just throw it right down the middle. Right. And and I really enjoyed episode seven, even though I feel like it was kind of the like, Emperor. And I we're know. done with that. I know. We were totally done with that. So why bring him back? It just kind of makes when me he f- wasn't in the first two. I know. <laughs> at all. I know. And then it just kind of makes me feel like Snoke isn't really gone. You know, like he's gonna. Well, I mean, if no, yeah, if nobody's up. gone, then I want Han Solo back. Yeah. Anyway, and I want um, anyway Skywalker back. <laughs> Yeah, I want Luke Skywalker back, exactly. I want Bib Fortuna back. Come on. <laughs> uh, what else is happening in news? Uh, there's one more Disney story. It looks like we uh, the OT Fabeg, Fagbenle. I was not ready for this. Oh, my goodness. I was not ready to do this. No. Uh, Handmade Tales actor OT Fagbenle. Okay. Uh, has been cast in the Black Widow movie. So stuff is still moving forward here. All right. Well, that's good news. Uh, I am <laughs> looking forward to this movie be actually filming and uh, getting to see it. Me 
two. Yeah. Hey, did yeah. you know that Sony makes movies? Uh, yeah, I think I heard something about that. Yeah, well, it looks like Kay Cannon is making a Cinderella movie for Sony. Okay. You know why that's possible? Why is that possible? Because you can death breathe. Because if Ever After can be a Cinderella movie, then we can do whatever we want. It's it's open source. Well, that's true. <laughs> Creative Commons. Yeah. You can do whatever you want. So Kay Cannon from the Pitch Perfect Films wants to make a musical, I'm assuming, Cinderella story for Sony Pictures starring singer-songwriter Camila Cabello. Okay. I don't know who that is. Me but either. Yeah. This is apparently uh, based on an original idea from James Corbin. Sorry, Corden. Oh, okay. All right. This is how much I don't care. Well, he does. So basically, it car is a karaoke, right? Yep. <laughs> it's a movie based on car karaoke. Car karaoke. And okay. it's Cinderella. All right. Can't be worse than Into the Woods, right? Right. Wow. Bow, 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 Shots bow, fired. Bow, bow, bow. Yeah. Put it all down. Uh, Speaking yeah. of things that should probably be put to bed. Oh, no. Looks like the Veronica Mars reboot debuts on Hulu on July 26th. Yay. We all uh, wanted it. I saw we all got a teaser for it. And I got to say. Are they going to go with my idea? teaser. Are they going to go with my idea? What's your idea? Keith's dead. She's got to solve Keith's murder. I like your idea. I you don't, don't want. You don't not want Keith Colantoni on your show. Right. But I think you have to bite the bullet. And we've seen her sitting at a desk with a plaque that says. Veronica Mars P.I. So clearly she is right. doing this as a job now. Mm -hmm. I assume in Neptune. Right. She's the head of Mars Investigations because Somebody her dad, P.I. and former Neptune sheriff, mm -hmm. is killed. And the meta arc of the season is her trying to solve his murder. I like that idea. I have a feeling they're not going to do that. No, no, they're, no, no, they're not going to do that. I, I, they don't have to do that to make it good. I'm just saying right. that, that sounds I think, spicy. I think that's a strong choice. They're not giving us anything. They're giving like, eh, I got a stun gun. It's like, I know. is that to show us like, hey, don't worry. It's everything you've ever wanted. It's the same thing all over again. And it's like, it's not. I feel bad for Veronica. She should have children. She's in her mid 30s. Right. Right. She should have a, a <laughs> life for herself. That's not Lily would have wanted her to to have a life right. and not keep doing this. Right. Exactly. But, I mean, she should smile more, too. Oh, stop I'm it. I'm going to tell her what to do. <laughs> Speaking of women, you can't tell what to do. And also a Hulu story because oh, I'm boy. good at grouping these things together. It looks like Kate McKinnon is going to play Theranos founder Elizabeth Holmes in a Hulu series. Why? Because they both could talk like this. Oh, my god! Because they both could do this. Wow. My impression of Elizabeth Holmes, and everybody was real happy when she had, took her fall. And I remember just kind of being like, I don't understand why. I guess she's a fascinating figure because, because of this. She can talk really low. But, uh, but she's just weird and you don't know if anything's happening there you know yeah. what i mean and kate mckinnon as much as i find her obnoxious and i right. don't enjoy her there is absolutely like life behind her eyes right. so how will she keep from mugging her way through this performance I, unless no this idea. is a comedic take series you know how funny it is it's going to be hard to make it funny 
that this lady defrauded people of billions of dollars. Yeah, I find that really difficult. And uh, yeah, how she she's just going to be play it straight, just real straight shooter. I Eternal mean, Atkin. Yeah, um, I I'm I'm not excited about this, but. Uh, why, why aren't you excited about it? Be, I'm not a great... Sorry, that's, a Josh, that's my Josh Hart in it. <laughs> why aren't you excited about it? Um, I'm not a big Kate McKinnon fan. And, no, um, why not? I, I don't know why this is a story that needs to be told either. Because so. it's fascinating. This woman who started from... Well, a lot, really. Her family was very rich. But, okay. uh, you know, she became this maven in the tech industry sure uh with no qualifications Mm -hmm. and honestly not a ton of game and i think it's sexism (laughs) i think it's like you know sexism can keep you down but like in a reverse way it can somebody like joe biden can look at you and go wow missy it seems like look come here let me touch your forehead with mine it seems like you're really doing a lot here at this so here's a, a millions of dollars right and just a bunch of people just let this person violate the peter principle and go way beyond it to right we're in control of billions of dollars and we have n- our product is vaporware there is nothing there but because i talk like this and because <laughs> i have crazy eyes and a turtleneck like steve jobs oh my gosh then that means that uh i know what i'm doing yeah uh-huh there is a great two-part episode of what's rule number one don't do it but i'm gonna do it um, of the Behind the Bastards podcast, um, okay. Robert Evans's podcast, where he goes through the whole thing with Theranos and, uh, you know, with uh, Elizabeth Holmes and kind of what we know about what was going on there. And it's uh, yeah. pretty it's good. It's messed up. Okay. It's messed up. All right. Just check it out. All right. Um. No, don't. <laughs> don't go check it out. It's all lies. <laughs> right. Let's have some fun. This beat is sick. I want to take a ride on your disco stick. Let's have some fun. This beat is sick. I want to take a ride on your disco stick. <laughs> all right. Well, it's finally back. Game yes. of Thrones season eight, the final season, the I final seven episodes yes. of the epic HBO fantasy that really should be, make some books out of this. I think this would be really great on the page, don't you think? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, they have to. Somebody's got to check into that. Uh-huh. But um, uh, we're back in the show, and of course, the first episode's out, so we're talking about that. And broad spoilers for seven years of a show, and yes. also the first episode of this next year. Mm-hmm. And it's been about that long, hasn't it? It's been basically one a year. Yeah, it has uh, been about a, a year. 2011. Yeah, mm-hmm. so 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 long ago. Uh, boy, I mean, to even if you if you haven't seen it and you are wanting to be spoiled and you're just sitting there waiting for us to tell you what it is, right. I don't even know what to tell you. I don't think we can <laughs> tell you anything uh, except to say that you know we are at the um, the ultimate chapter. Screw yes. screw pen ultimate. Right. This is the ultimate chapter. This is so true. And everything is kind of in place at this point and. Something that I wondered as we got into this, mm-hmm. and we can talk about it as we get into it, mm-hmm. is uh, will there be enough to to, to to entertain us? Do you know what I mean? Will, will there so much of it be has enough a, that will satisfy us? Well, and just you know whether the ending will be satisfying. I'm sure that it will in some way. And there are only seven episodes, but like so much of it has been the conflict, the the game, the titular game. Uh-huh. Uh, the different characters that interact and so many characters are dead and so yes. many 
conflicts are either wrapped up or defunct at this point. Mm -hmm. And you just think about all the different, the seven kingdoms and who's left to even rule them. Right. There's a scene in this where Euron is talking, you know, with, with Yara. Yes. And he's basically like, we're like, we're the last Greyjoys. And I was like, yeah, that's true. That is true. Yeah. I mean, you know, ostensibly people live on the Iron Islands. Right. If you guys died, black water. Yeah. Who knows how many cousins down? Salt boy would be like, "Uh, I'm king. And then, you know, we could just go from there. But all these characters we've been tracking, like the Freys are all dead. The Tarleys are all dead except for Sam. I know. Tyrell wiped off the map. I know. I think the, uh, the Dorne, who knows what's going on in Dorne? Whoever Pretty knows sure they're all Dorne. dead. They're all dead. Yeah. Like, everybody's dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that is absolutely true. And it's, honestly, it's kind of amazing that Yara is still alive. I guess she has her uncle to thank for that in a sick, twisted way. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm kind of surprised they didn't kill her because I'm pretty sure they... They killed all the what? What did they call them from Dorne? It was like the snake, the sand snakes, sand snakes. Pretty sure they're all dead. Yes, uh, I'm pretty sure Cersei made sure of that. Yes, but um, uh, yeah, but Yara, Yara is somehow miraculously fine. They had so. to give, you know, they had to give Theon uh, a reason for, or at least a thing to motivate his re re face turn. Right. Uh, back to. Um, to being you know a heroic figure and also boy i i mean how do you want to do this you want to do death pool again or do you want to (laughs) because i think they did that because we want to see i'm guess unless the gray joys are going to die out i didn't know this was going to start with the gray joys but here we are here we are unless the gray joys are going to die out i guess yara has to make it (laughs) <laughs> right, right. Uh, to for there to be more uh, Greyjoys, uh-huh. but I just think the fact that That's like true. the Greyjoys, you know, are such assholes and horrible, terrible people. Yeah, and Euron is really the most of them all. Mm-hmm. Uh, that just seeing, uh, or not even just the Greyjoys, just the entire um, uh, people. The what, what are they called? What, what what people? From the Iron Islands. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So just seeing that, like, these two might could rule as brother and sister and, like, make them maybe nicer and maybe right. they could try sewing a little. What? How about we sew a little bit? New idea, guys. Yeah, right. New idea for a slogan. Right. And I just think that, like, yeah, I think that hopefully change and transformation will be the ultimate sort of end point for mm-hmm. a lot of these kingdoms yes out of necessity because right. we're gonna have to work together because um, the white walkers are coming yeah do you think that when they we're just all over the map do you think when they kill the night king and i assume they will um that'll be the end of winter that's a really good question because like does he control winter i don't i don't think we really know what his magic is is exactly or what how how far it extends obviously he can turn a dragon into a white walker dragon and anybody who dies up in the north he can make a white walker we know that um but that's a really good question i don't know and do they have like uh next of kin for for the night walkers like is like they kill they kill the night king and then (laughs) somebody else takes his place (laughs) 
You know, is it like Hydra? You Mr. cut off one Frostbeard, head? I'm yeah. so sorry to inform you, right. but your spiky little bouncing ball of joy uh, has, <laughs> has died. Well, there's all these things in the book that, that they don't really get into in the show, but are sort of hinted and suggested at. And like, it is a song of ice and fire. There are these right. two competing sort of magics or elemental forces. And nobody in Esso seems all that worried about the White Walkers because mm-hmm. I don't think they really need to be. Like the right. White Walkers... We'll make it perhaps possibly as far as Dorne and just wipe out everybody in uh, Westeros. Mm-hmm. But then they can't really swim. They can't get no. off of the the continent. And eventually, I assume winter. It's a long winter, but it'll right. end. And it's you know it's happened before. Like it happened thousands of years ago or whatever. And then also we hear about in you know Essos and um, in like the Doom of Valyria and all that. There's like sort of fire apocalypses that can happen mm-hmm. and you know on on that side of the other continent and so right. yeah i mean the dragons don't like being, being in the cold. cold and it could yeah. just be that you know they like hot stuff and they don't like being in the cold but it could also be they're, they're far from yeah biologically but i'm just saying from a eldritch perspective a magical sort of thing they sure. are far from the south or the source of sort of their power you know what, what keeps them going sure so yeah the night king might get to a certain point and be like, okay, we're not going to go any farther than this. Here's a question for you. Do you think that the White Walkers are like Terminators, that they can't swim, but they can walk on the bottom of waters of bodies of water? Possibly. Maybe that'll be a reveal, but uh, we haven't seen it, and okay. uh, nobody seems to be really worried about that. Okay. Because at this point, like them, uh, Viserion, the undead Viserion, destroying the wall at Eastwatch was the big trigger. It wasn't that there was water right next to the wall, and mm. the dead never went, you guys swim? There's water wings? Right. Or they didn't, you know, they can make patterns out of body parts, but they can't just throw a couple boards down and just go walk around the wall. Right, <laughs> they, right. Yeah, they never even tried that. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that they can do water. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, I guess that's one thing in our hero's favor then. Yes. Is that uh, water can hopefully help save them. Get a river in between you and them, and we'll see how long that lasts. Well, like, it isn't like... Um, Although they are in the water in when they attack, when when the guys go to get the white and they're stuck on the right. frozen lake. Yeah. They won't cross the water, but I'm sure a couple fall in and jump out. I don't know. It just doesn't seem to be yeah. a thing they do. Well, like, um, do you think, like, the, the river or whatever? Where... Somebody had to go down and attach chains to that dragon. Yes. Sorry, continue. No, that's true. Um, do you, like... The area between, like, the twins, do you think that's going to, like, keep them out? Possibly. Okay. Possibly. Um, it's a sort of thing that, yeah, I, it's, it's one thing that I kind of regret about the whole thing is that, and I'm not saying you get this a lot in, like, Lord of the Rings, for instance. Like, we, we are to assume that there is normal people living in towns mm-hmm. all over, but we only ever go to... Uh, we go to Bree, and then we go to like a bunch of elven towns, and then we go to the, you know, two or three big towns of men, and then we're right. in Mordor. Right. And in this, it's just like that inn in the middle of nowhere where Hot Pie works is the only other location. That's the one l- rural location right. in Westeros. It's mm-hmm. just, if you're not at one of the pa- palaces or at King's Landing or at Winterfell, right. you run into another major character at that one inn right. <laughs> whose staff is constantly getting killed or uh, yes. threatened by uh, the people that come through. So, yeah. So as far as like 
being a major dividing line between North and South. Yeah, I mean, the Twins is sort of that. Do you remember where Brianne was at the end of last season? I don't remember. And we don't see her on this episode. Um, she's in Winterfell, isn't she? Is she? Okay, maybe she is. I wonder why we didn't see her then, if, if she's present there. <sighs> That's a good question. You got yeah. me there. Um, what do we see? It, is, it opens with... Well... Um, you know, what we've come to expect, the, uh, the Unsullied marching, Mm -hmm. uh, to King's Landing, or excuse me, to Winterfell. Mm -hmm. And then of course, making a big deal out of the people of the North seeing, uh, Daenerys, seeing Daenerys, but also like, (laughs) are they just kind of maybe a little racist by default? You think so? (laughs) They're like, oh, these people are, it's real, it's real dark skin. (laughs) Haven't seen this. Maybe. (laughs) I don't know. There's not a lot of integration no there isn't in this world is what i'm saying no, no. but anyway uh, eight thousand uh black people march into uh winterfell right uh, onion article writes itself and so we've got that uh we have um of course the tensions that wouldn't shouldn't they be over by now what you always get what this ten- yeah you've got this a lot the people in the north have been jerked around a lot oh yeah and uh-huh. again, we like don't. Who's their leader? We focus on the follow? heroes and not really on the little people, unless mm-hmm. they become elevated to hero status, like you know, Leona Mormont or something like That's that. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. But every ten seconds, they're pledging their you know fealty to a new king. Right. And so you think by now, okay, we get it. I guess John didn't show the Northerners the white, but they must have heard legends. They've all lived in this area that for hundreds for thousands of years has worried about this thing so whether or not they've laid eyes on a white walker or not they understand the threat Mm -hmm. and then john comes back and we have another one of those scenes that i feel is just to pad out time because it's like hey you said you were going to be king then you bring this chick up here with the dragons and what's going on it's like i'm gonna do this again and they're even sort of like teasing like a heel turn from liana yeah i know what the heck I, i i know and then there's like another kid who is the head of a house. Yeah, we saw him last season. Did we? Yeah. Okay, I didn't because, remember. Yeah, there's something. I think like his older brothers or his dad or somebody was, you know, betrayed John or didn't show up when they were supposed to to help out. Okay. And so he's basically like, "You guys are gone. You know, we will kill you or you should, you can just quit and never come back." And then up oh, the kid is the guy now. Right. Okay. But that's what we're down to. I know. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think they have a pretty good army, like pretty good size army, with all of uh, the people that have been following Daenerys and the few that have been following Jon. Although we do get, uh, there is at one point a letter that Sansa has received from somebody who said they were going to support Jon as the King of the North. Right. But since he's not the King of the North anymore, they're like, Never mind. And that's another uh, conflict that we're still keeping going at this point about how nobody under- nobody really knows John's parentage. Mm-hmm. Um, John himself learns his parent- parentage in this episode. Yes. And we'll see how that affects his relationship with Daenerys, Daenerys who yeah. he now technically outranks. Yeah. And how everybody else feels. Maybe they'll be, they really want him to be king in the north because... He's basically king of everything if we're right. all going to go by that. Although people in the north don't really care about the king in the south and what's going on there. They have always considered themselves separate. Maybe they'd want John to deny his 
parentage. Targaryen heritage. Uh-huh. Maybe they'll reject him because he's not Ned Stark's kid. It's it's going to throw the entire thing into yeah, disarray. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's it's a sticky wicket, as they would say. Yeah. Um, and well, not they wouldn't say. Well, okay. somebody would. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, I I'm still not a hundred percent sure how John took it. I mean, he was obviously shaken. Um, and didn't want to believe it. Um, you know, and reiterated that my father is the most honorable man I've ever met. And, um, you know, Sam does not, you know, deny that. He, he's just like, well, this is who you are, though. You're not a bastard at all. You never were. Yeah. Um, I think it just, like, kind of throws his whole worldview. Yeah. There's a lot of reunions, longtime reunions in this yes. episode. There's a lot of, like, longtime reveals in this episode. You know, we... I can't think of any reason that Daenerys would go down to the library oh, yeah, I <laughs> to know, just right? look around other than to run into Sam so that she can then tell him, oh, yeah, I killed your dad and your brother, by the way. I know, right? And then I also um, punched Gilly on the way in and we <laughs> dropped little Sam on his head and <laughs> killed your dog. And, I know, right? Yeah. Well, like, what's Jorath, what Jorath was like, oh, this is the guy who, like, Curved my grayscale or whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah. I guess. So I guess that's why she was down there. She was hanging out with him. Thanks for bringing this guy back again. I, I know. I thought I had gotten rid of him. <laughs> Mr. Friendzone. Yeah. <laughs> well, come on. Um, <laughs> so there's just like this. They're, they're, they continue to reiterate that these family tensions exist when I don't. It's tough no matter what. But I don't know if this show, which I do enjoy, and people say is the best show on TV, and I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> I do like the show, but it's not the best show on TV. I don't know what it's trying to say. That's one of the reasons mm. why I don't think it's the best show, because I don't understand what it's trying to do. Is it trying to tell us that the Starks, who some of whom literally haven't seen each other since the first episode of the series, yeah. are now back together? No matter what, they should be like, well, look, we got to protect ourselves. We're the Starks. We're all we have left and everything else is secondary. Mm -hmm. Or is it a very real situation where they have all now, in their own way, inherited power and responsibility and now they are weighing that against their family obligations? I know Uh, that that is there. I know Mm -hmm. that's there in their, you know, in the characters' minds and in their writing, but it doesn't none of the moves that they make, at least at this point, reveal that to me. We just have another bunch of scenes where Arya and Sansa are kind of cold to each other mm-hmm. and Arya, you know, is like, you know, oh, John, it's so good to see you. Although, I don't know about you and what all this is and your little queen and everything else. And right. So it's just, yeah, I know we, if there's only seven episodes, you don't need to kill that much time, do you? No, We should kind of be like, kind of getting to it and and i did feel like this was kind of like an episode where they were setting things up yeah um so to be knocked down later um i guess i do kind of feel that like even though the starks have been through so much i do kind of feel like they're not necessarily being supportive of each other yeah um and uh you know sansa's really unsure about daenerys and therefore kind of unsure about john and what his intentions are with uh Daenerys and um why his loyalty has shifted and I think she feels betrayed um and I think Arya feels a little bit of that as well um 
Bram. Um, Bram. Bram. Is it Bram or is it Bram? Bram, Bram. Oh, I wonder. Bram, Bram. Try to get it right. Bram, like cereal. Bram, okay. Short for Brandon. Okay, Bram, I think, just wants John to know the truth, but he doesn't want to be the one who delivers the truth. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, um, will yourself down there, buddy. Yeah. Or are I, the crypts not accessible? Right. They might not be, but <laughs> not. at the same time, I think he's all like, Sam, you tell him he's going to trust you and believe you more than he's going to trust and believe me. Yeah. I've already been thrown out a window once. Sam's like, I'm kind of dealing with my own thing right now. Okay, uh, yeah. I'll do it. Yeah, exactly. Like, Sam Sam does it. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, and, and Bran, like, at the very beginning, he's all like, we don't have time for this. Like, all the introductions and everything. He's like, he's like let's get out of business, you know? And, like, he's very serious about the white walkers coming and what we need to do to prepare for it and he kind of is almost like we don't have time for this family drama right so that's the entire show it is i um i read something that talked about like all the easter eggs or whatever that you might have missed or what have you but somebody insinuated i want to know what your opinion is on this like brannis sitting in the courtyard and he says he's waiting for an old friend yes is he referring to Jamie? Somebody said he was referring to Jamie. Seems like it. Okay. I mean, he shows up. I mean, I guess he kind of is an all-seer, too, so he maybe knew that Jamie was coming. Sure. Okay. Yeah. All right. I just wanted your opinion on that. Yeah, that happens. Um, we're going to have to deal with how they feel about him in the next episode. Yes. It just seems like another... I don't expect everybody to just go, all is forgiven, but no. how much time are we going to... Do you think Waste that we'll that. do you think that we'll keep doing this until the start of the fourth episode or like halfway through we'll get a White Walker battle and then yeah. we'll get one more battle for the whole enchilada at the end of the show. And that, the rest of it is just gonna be this. Right. Yeah. It'll just be this. Yeah. It'll be another scene with Braun going, I don't know, should I kill Tyrion and Jamie I, I know, or right? not? I know. I don't think he's really gonna do it, do you? Well, this show has had, you know, it, it sets you up to believe that you're following the good guys and they either die or they're not good guys. Mm-hmm. And it sets you up to think that the bad guys are completely irredeemable and then they, you know, become sympathetic. And so it just seems to me that since his entire motivation, his, his raison d'etre has just been money, well, power and prestige true. the whole time. And now he's offered everything just... I don't even know to motivation a character. I don't even know. I just think storytelling wise, you go no. He's, he he refuses at the end, turns yeah. around. Yeah. That being said, he's a smart guy, and he, he has to know that what what would why would Cersei keep her, her promise? She's literally already broken promises with him before. You know. Well, that's very true. Yeah. And you get. I mean, at this point, like we said, everybody else is dead, so it falls to Pycelle to be the guy to come and go, or uh, or sorry, Kyburn to come and be like. Oh, uh, I'm the messenger now. Like, why is this guy the messenger? He's yeah, one of the only named characters left in King La- King's Landing. I know. <laughs> well, you blew up uh, Lancel. <laughs> it would have been Lancel before. I know. Do you do you think he's going to turn around and kill Cersei? Braun? Yeah. No. No. I mean, if prophecy. Oh, well, right. Anything, one of her then... brothers is going to kill her. Yeah. Okay. Going to have to be. Yeah. Before she has her baby, probably. Probably. It's a two, we call that a twofer in yeah. the business. Oh, God. Of killing. 
Uh, what else? Um, John rides a dragon, which everybody called. Yes. And at this point, I have to wonder if every prediction is going to happen is real. If the fans who know this TV show and this book series so well, and somebody talked to George R. R. Martin recently, and he basically said, yeah, the book endings are going to be pretty much like the show endings. There's okay. no reason that I would... Change what it. What am I going to do? Change it? Yeah. Um, so we've got that. So... All the things that we think, like, mm-hmm. is Bran the Night King? Uh, I'd be really upset if that one You know, came what, true. Uh, whatever else. Yeah. Um, somebody else mentioned that the dragon that he rode was the one that's named after his father. After his father, yep. Yeah. Rhaegar. So, yeah. All the dragons are boys, right? I think so. Yeah, so no more, new, no more dragons. Right. I saw something, I didn't actually read it, that was like, Supposedly, there was an Easter egg hinting at that Danny might find a fourth dragon. Ooh, yeah. Where was that? I don't know. I just saw it on the interweb somewhere, but I didn't get a chance to read it. But um, yeah, they were like hinting at that. I don't know if it's like you know the intro at the beginning where they show a the dragon. dragon. Yeah, I don't know if we're calling that an Easter egg or what, but. Okay, um, I so, didn't get that. Yeah, I, uh, I did we've not got uh, Gendry. Yes, is um, good thing we got a blacksmith because <laughs> yeah, no, he's right? out just making dragon, dragon glass, glass weapons. Yeah, uh, which is going to be pretty good for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good to see that Tormund and Beric are still alive. Yes, um, and of course they run into to Ed and he's still alive. Yes, so for and now those guys are alive. <laughs> and a creepy child art piece that was, done by the White Walkers. Yeah, that was terrifying. It was really terrifying. Like, they obviously, like, turned that kid into, like, a white, right? I mean, and then, like, just white. left him there. Right, I know. So, yeah. What is, um, uh, I, what is the significance of the spirals? If somebody has said that we've seen patterns like this by the White Walkers before. Do we, we know? know? Okay. We don't know. Okay. The very first, well, it's not the first time we saw it, but the, probably the first time chronologically we see it is when Bran has a uh, green sight vision of the creation of the first White Walker. The um, children of the forest mm-hmm. are in this glade and the sort of trees or stones sort of form a similar pattern. And so okay. this is something that since we don't get into the minds of the bad guys, right. we're not privy to their thoughts. Uh, although I think it's clear that they have them, um, we don't know. And normally you would get, it, it is very Lord of the Rings because you don't, you don't ever check out what's happening with Sauron. Right. But his motivations are explained by other characters. Mm-hmm. He wants the ring and he wants to cast Middle Earth into darkness. Mm-hmm. And so people speculate, we can only ever speculate on the, the White Walker's motivation, but the fact that they seem to recreate these patterns and shapes that are associated with the... Um, with the children of the forest, uh, your mm-hmm. earlier comment about them being terminators is mm-hmm. um, strangely um, ap- applicable because you know they were created to be killing machines, basically to fight off the the Andals, you know, the first men who were killing children of the forest, okay. and they're this weapon right. that got out of control. Right. So are they just operating on their programming, which is I see men, I kill men. That's all that there is to it. And do they have an intelligence? Can we make a truce with them? Can we somehow mm. command them to stop? You know, your your work is done. Mm. Or at least the people, all the people who you serve are now dead. So just stop what you're doing. Right. 
it's that's nanotechnology. Awesome. Wow. Yeah. It's nanotechnology. It's a that, it's a metaphor. Right. The ring was the bomb. The White Walkers are are, are nanotech. <laughs> it's a blue goo situation. <laughs> no, I don't know. Um, yeah. No, that is a, an interesting kind of theory. Can we reason with them? Can we work something out with them? Because this whole show is about people refusing to work together, yes. betraying each other, yes. failing to work together. Mm-hmm. And the only people that are left are the people who are willing to, you know, put down their arguments and their uh, long grudges and work together. And work together. But does that apply to the enemy as well? Could we find a way to live with That's them a in really harmony? Good question. I never have thought about that before. Craster did that. Mm-hmm. at a very high price mm-hmm. he basically you know was able to live in north of the wall for years and years by right. well how did he strike the deal with the white walkers tell you what i'll have sex with my daughters make more daughters and sons yeah and then give them to you and you guys will leave me alone like clearly they have some kind of intelligence well that's true and they were able to they talk in the some books. sort of agreement i don't know yeah yeah huh how would you start like an agreement like that that's so messed up i don't even know you invite um, them in <laughs> Fr- icy freeze pop anyone oh gosh. good can i get you baked alaska like what, what would you like right Whatever right yeah snow cones snow cones <laughs> three snow cones <laughs> let's talk oh man yeah um but I wonder what like the the swirls mean like so it's obviously like some sort of message like we're coming for you I mean is it that simple or or is it just like beware or like we're really powerful look at us do you know what a cargo cult is no I don't a cargo cult is both a sort of a literal thing that where it gets its name from and also just sort of a, a, a psychological idea. Okay. But, and I'm fairly sure this is true. I think it gets trumped up a lot because it's a cool idea. But there's this idea that, you know, thanks to uh, international commerce and also like wars and stuff like that, a lot of developed nations like America, Japan, Russia, you know, the, the powers in uh, the world wars and stuff mm-hmm. spend a lot of time flying over, say, the Pacific, the South Pacific. Sure. And landing on islands, um, creating air bases and stuff like that, mm-hmm. taking off and leaving, and not always really bothering to ask the local peoples, um, getting to know them, saying, hey, here's what's going on. Peoples who are in varying stages of development Mm -hmm. so if you land on an island or say um a u-boat sinks a cargo ship and its containers wash up on an island Mm -hmm. that has no strategical purpose so we haven't landed on it for war purposes right but there is a tribe on there who is at some level of stone or bronze age development and suddenly a crate full of xboxes washes up on shore what do you think about that if you are one of those people that lives on that island. I guess I would think, well, this is from uh, a more populated area. or But you don't know that there's, maybe you've gone on boats, maybe hundreds of years ago Moana landed here, you know, and so you know that there, there could be other people out there, but you don't know, you have no context, okay. and you are probably still a superstitious sort of race. Um, well, I then I would be kind of didn't plan on this, opening it. but it's totally organic. 
this is what the prime directive is for in Star Trek. Uh, uh-huh. And so if you are a race of people that sees flying machines land and take off again, build, take, clear out miles of jungle in order to just create a long, flat uh, dirt right. thing for the flying machines to set down on and then lift up again, then maybe we might come back in 50 years and find that you have taken trees and you know f- materials that you have and you have built strange you know copies of airplanes oh, you sure. have yourself cleared out a thing in the forest you know you have done things like that okay you have found things like helmets you know or like radio headphones and uh-huh. pe- certain people in your tribe wear those thinking that they're very important for some reason okay i see so my theory is that the White Walkers, you know, being created by the children of the forest, still have, they're, they're trying to act like them. They are re- replicating mm. these forms and maybe understanding, maybe not why, but they are continuing to sort of propagate these things without necessarily knowing okay. what it's for. Huh. Uh, another thing was mentioned that the spirals are kind of, not exactly, but but somewhat reminiscent of the Targaryen seal with the, the dragon heads being kind of swirly. But I don't think that they're t- connected to the, to the Targaryens, do you? Um, no. I think that's just coincidence. Yeah. And also we don't spend a lot of time, the books go into it more, but we don't spend any time in the show <clears throat> talking about things like, you know, the first men and mm-hmm. some of the more ancient um uh, historical events mm-hmm. of uh, Westeros, so but it could be significant to that as well. You know, a sign of the um, of the children of the forest. You know, sure. the first peoples or whatever. So okay, all yep. right. Well, it'll be interesting to see if we see that more. I have a feeling we're it's going to be repeated. We're going to have to. Yeah, and it may happen after the what I'm assuming is the big battle. It's going to happen in Winterfell. Mm-hmm. You know, it might happen later. We might fight and think. Well, they've got a lot of people. We've got a lot of people. They've got more than us, but we're well armed and we can, we have strategy and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. maybe we can win this thing, but then maybe we find out something else. Like maybe we find out, I don't know. Well, the White Walkers, they have to be organized to an extent. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, they, they're clearly following their king. Um, I just wonder, it, it, I don't think that we've gone eight years for this to just turn into a zombie movie. For the last chapter of it. No, I I agree with you. I think that would be a cop out, uh, in a way. Um, and uh, I don't know. I think they're gonna do what the best that they can to make sure it doesn't happen in Winterfell. But it could very well happen in Winterfell. Um, what the the fight, the big fight. Yeah. Um. I uh, I'm just trying to imagine like people like hiding out in the crypt or something like that yeah like um uh what is what is bran gonna do during the fight just like warg into an animal or something like that maybe if they ever bring those dumb dogs back (laughs) they're not in it very much they're the wolves yeah um so just wrapping it up here uh what do you think Arya's having gendry make um Somebody suggested that it looks like the weapon that she uses later on that we see her use in like the um, in the trailer. Oh. It 
looks like a dagger made out of dragon glass. Right. That's what it looks like okay. to me. I, th I think that's what it is. I don't know. understand why there's two pieces of it. Yeah, I like, don't either. It, 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 I, I don't understand what the point of that would be. But um, clearly he's going to make it. So yeah. uh, what do you think? I don't know. I mean, she's already got a Valerian steel dagger. Right. Um, I don't know how... Stuff happens to John, and he just kind of goes, "Oh, that was weird," and like doesn't tell everybody necessarily. Right. So I'm not sure that he is passed along to everybody. Nobody seems to understand the importance of Valerian steel. Right. And you've got quite a lot of it laying around. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think S Sam Tarley's going to start swinging uh, Hearthsbane or whatever his his sword is around. But right. you've got that. We've got. Uh, Jamie's sword, who of course Brienne has has right now. You got John's mm -hmm. sword. You've got you know Arya's dagger. So we've got Valyrian steel in the yes. mix here. Everybody seems to think that dragon glass is our only option, but we've got other options. But John's like John. It's intel. You gotta tell everybody what's going share on. Share that. Share it people. around. Yeah, exactly. Uh, how do you think? Uh, what do you think is gonna happen with Jamie? I think he is going to be grilled and made very uncomfortable by Daenerys and um, uh, and I don't think the Starks are going to give him that great of a welcome either. Let's see. But Crippled their kid. Mm -hmm. but, and who knows if they can put two and two together, but basically gave, you know, sponsored Roose Bolton's murder of half their family. Yeah. Um, literally killed Daenerys's dad. Yeah. This is going to be a rough one. It's going to be real rough. Um, I think what I kind of see happening is maybe Tyrion stepping in and actually vouching for him and fighting for him. Trial by combat, I choose Tyrion as my champion. <laughs> Tyrion's like, wait, that, no, no, no. That we, would be we, great. I do it the other way usually. Yeah, exactly. Um, Will he get a dragon glass hand? So you can punch White Walkers. Ooh, I like that idea. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Or you can just build a sword into, give him a hand with a sword built in, like an action figure. Yeah. Or like a Kung Fu grip hand. Sure. Gendry's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. All that stuff Give him the G.I. Joe hand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, made out of dragon glass. Uh, I, I think ultimately, I think Daenerys is going to look past it because they need all of the people that they can honestly she'd take anybody if they said oh you're my queen right who's this hitler guy oh you're I my know, queen right? oh, he's on he's on he's on our team he's good he'll get in he'll, line i'm sure he will bend a knee in one way or another you know he's he's pledging his sword to their their plight he wants to fight the white walkers yeah there's a long so. history of like you know uh strategic defections in war but Usually that strategic defection isn't like, oh, the guy that literally killed my dad. I know. I, I, I know. And in a lot of ways started this whole thing off. Uh, yes. Yes, exactly. Started this Game of Thrones. Although if he hadn't, she wouldn't have met her husband. She wouldn't have gotten her yeah. dragon eggs. It's true. She wouldn't be where she is right now. No, she You're would not. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, so... Um, well, I was thinking something, and now I, I lost it. Um, uh oh, I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> um, yeah, this is—I don't know. Uh, yeah. Um, do you think that Cersei is actually uh, going to send her army to Winterfell? 
Well, if there, I don't know. Um, you know, we've we've heard about the Golden Company. You know, we've we've heard uh, tales about them. Um, no elephants, though. No elephants. No. And so they can. They're they got ships. They're gonna mm-hmm. land somewhere. It doesn't. I, as far as I know about the map, I don't think that having ships is like a great boon to sieging Winterfell or getting there. No. But they could pull up at the twins, you know, and there's nobody there right now. So That's maybe true. they'll um, make their stand at the twins. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Sansa makes a remark. She says she used to think that Tyrion was the smartest man in the world, but she doesn't think so anymore. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, she's just basically, because he's like, oh, everything's going to turn out okay. And she's like, you're you're dumb. Yeah. You're a dumb guy. Yeah. I thought you were a smart guy. Right, exactly. How can you how can you trust your sister after everything she's put you through? Yeah, yeah, we've been through quite a bit. Yeah. So, um, I, I don't know about that. Um, I do feel like Cersei is really still batting her own, uh, you know, she's she's backing herself. Yeah. Um, so she's looking out for number one. Uh, I don't know that that includes helping everybody else. I don't think it does. No, I don't think it does either. So. Well, that's that. Uh, I guess we'll have more updates on Game of Thrones as we go on and we get closer to the end of this whole thing. Mm-hmm. So stay tuned for that. Valor Morgulis. What? All men must die. Oh, okay. But the women, though. Maybe they'll live. Maybe they will. Maybe Vala. Uh, yes. No, yeah. you're right. Somebody once told me the world is gonna roll me. I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. She was looking kind of dumb. Doomed planet. Desperate scientists. Last hope. Kindly couple. Yes. Superman. Superman was that rarest of things. The... <laughs> <laughs> Remember that SNL skit? Mm-mm. Probably not, because you weren't. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Yeah. When the death of Superman happened in like the early 90s, uh, SNL did a skit, and then okay. like everybody, I think Sinbad was on. Oh, <laughs> he man. Was the, he was the host. Okay, which sure. Which is how long ago this was. Right. But everybody, they all dressed up as superheroes, and they're all coming to, to Superman's funeral, right? Okay. So it's like you're on the guest list or whatever. And right. Not. And... Um, <laughs> Sinbad played Black Lightning. Okay, sure. And everybody's like, Black Lightning? Who are you? He's like, hey, I'm Black Lightning. You don't know me? Yeah, I taught Superman how to fly. And he's like, oh, is that shrimp? And he's like, you know, the shrimp at the buffet and stuff like that. <laughs> anyway, I don't know. Um, but at one point, uh, Chris Farley's all done up in green as the Hulk, of course. Okay, sure. And so they're like, do you want to say any words, Hulk? And he's like, Hulk not good with words. So <laughs> Hulk write it down, pulls out his notes, and he's like, Superman was that rarest of things. <laughs> he was, yeah. Anyway, uh, so well, Superman. kind of fun. Superman, I should maybe look that up. Uh, the series we're talking about deals in, uh, well, specifically uh, with the death of Superman. Yes. And it hangs over the entire series. It does. But it doesn't stop it from going to some amazing places. It's yes. all-star Superman. Yes. That we're talking about. From the year 2005, it ran to 2008. Yes. Written by Grant Morrison, art by Frank Quitely, and Jamie Grant on yes. the inks. Yes. This is computer uh, colored and inked. Um, Looks and frankly, great. amazingly. Yeah. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, I think you 
pointed out or you just you know noted earlier that uh that's oh, another frank quietly yeah they, they yeah. like working together yeah now they worked together very early on in grant morrison's career on mm-hmm. the uh on flex Man- mentalo or mentalo i never know how to, how to say it but okay. uh, one of um his uh Morrison's earliest works sure. that was called a masterpiece sure. of many works throughout his career that would be called masterpieces. Then, of course, they worked together for um, New X Men uh, when Morrison was tasked with relaunching the X Men. Okay. So, yeah, they uh, have worked together for quite a long time. Yes. Uh, do you want to talk about the origins of this series? Um, um, what do you mean by the origins of the series? That's how like, it came about. Um, well, first of all, I, 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 I sense that you were poised. To do what we usually do. I was zagging, you were zigging. Yeah. What's this series about? Um well it's about like Lex Luthor kind of tricks uh Superman at the beginning to um he like gets really close to the sun and like he becomes more powerful, but at the same time it's like he's dying. So um that's kind of hanging over the entire uh, series. And um, he doesn't want to tell Lois that he's dying. Uh, he doesn't know how to stop it. Um, he's kind of trying to see if he can stop it in his own way. Um, and then also the professor, what's his name? Dr. Leo Quintum. Leo Quintum is kind of looking at seeing if there's any way they can help stop it. As well. Um, that's what happens. Yes, that's what happens. What's it about? Um, I think it's about it's about a celebration of all things Superman. Um, and it kind of shows off his his best qualities, um, things that like uh, make him unique as a superhero. And um, he's trying to get as much accomplished as he possibly can before his impending death. Um, in, in one particular issue, it happens to be Lois's birthday. And so he gives her the gift of his superpowers for a day, which right. is pretty cool. Um, yeah, <coughs> it is really, uh, in 12 issues trying to encapsulate and celebrate Every era of Superman, every role, you know, or persona that Superman sort of takes on or fills, every type of Superman story is represented. And then, of course, because it's Grant Morrison, it has to have a shamanistic tie to, you know, archetypical figures in religion and myth. And Mm -hmm. so he's literally performing, you know, 12 labors uh, in 12 issues. Um Lampshaded by him meeting uh, two <laughs> characters, two other hero characters, uh, f- you know, from the future or, or yes. uh, wherever they're from or ones from the past, I guess, uh, Atlas and um, Samson. And right. so he is in with that. He is set, you know, sort of amongst the pantheon of mythological characters. You know, we think of comic books as being for kids or whatever. But Grant Morrison will be the first to tell you. And the last to tell you as well that they are our modern mythology. They right. are our Hercules, our Apollo, our Hera, our, right. our Zeus for the modern age. Mm-hmm. And so this is a a treatise, you know, on that idea. Mm-hmm. It was commissioned by DC. Actually, it was originally commissioned by DC 
as a kind of update or reboot on Superman. Um, they originally got uh, Grant Morrison, Mark Miller, and Make Mark Wade uh, act. Uh, authors together to come up with like okay so we always do this like in the 80s john byrne rebooted rebooted superman how do we reboot superman for like the late 90s going into the new millennium what's it gonna be right and it didn't really it didn't go they came up with a lot of ideas about what they wanted out of it and of course morrison contributed his you know ideas about mythology and stuff like that but it didn't really go. And so after that, um, Grant Morrison got a job on New X-Men, mm-hmm. basically doing the same thing for For X-Men. the X-Men, yeah, yeah. bringing them into a new millennium. And when he got done with that, they started this thing called the All-Star Books, which didn't go very far. It only went like to basically two books, mm-hmm. uh, where they wanted to do DC's... Marvel was having a lot of success with their Ultimates line, which was them taking the characters we know and divorcing them from continuity and doing kind of what they wanted to. Sure. And DC tried that with All-Star. So they let Frank Miller and Jim Lee have Batman and Robin, Mm -hmm. and then Grant Morrison and Frank Quietly took on this. Yes. Morrison and Quietly decided to do, what if aliens were going to blow up the world in a couple years, and also they were asking for our best comics? What would be the last best collection of Superman stories you could tell. Right. This is it. Over in All-Star Batman, it's, I'm the goddamn Batman. <laughs> it's just Frank Miller losing right. his mind right. page by page. Right. Which is entertaining, I guess, in its own way. But it does not meet... They, they were working off of different, different orders here. Right, right. It wasn't like, boiled down your essential Batman. <laughs> well... For Frank Miller, it was. Right. It was Frank Miller's essential Batman, that's for sure. Right. But he wasn't trying to create a work of art, uh, calculated, you know, masterpiece the way that Grant Morrison was and did. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. And a lot of it was inspired. um, Morrison has told this story before about how it was inspired by a chance encounter um, at San Diego Comic Con Mm. where Grant Morrison was um, speaking with a, a DC editor. And they were like walking around outside okay. and they saw a Superman cosplayer who was sitting on a bench or, you know, or sitting on a, a wall or something like that. And he just looked, he had like his chin on his arm or something or on his hand mm-hmm. and he was, had his legs pulled up and he just looked, you know, relaxed and restive. And to Morrison, it just sparked this thing in him that like, that's how Superman would be. That's how he would live and see his world. We always see him with. His arms akimbo, and he's right. got an eagle on his shoulder, or something <laughs> right. like that. Or he's like, his eyes are glowing red, and he's punching Mongol or something. He would just, in Morrison's mind, exist outside of the concerns. Uh, the world, the universe, would be his playground. You know, he need he need fear no sickness, no right. death, no physical harm. You know, he could do anything. He would be just totally laid back, and just be this really content, happy guy. And that's why the first issue of the series has him just sort of sitting on a cloud, you know, and just kind of looking, you know, relaxed at the camera. Yeah. And I think it's a a really uh, iconic image. Yeah. Um, You're not wrong. And uh, I think it it really sets the tone for this series. Yeah. Very well. I know we've (laughs) talked about that. We must have talked about this on the show before. I don't remember if we did or not. This is the first time we're repeating ourselves, but but, um, 300 so shows. Yeah. We deserve it. Right. Right. (laughs) And of course, like I quoted at the beginning of this segment, it's, 
you know, what a lot of people think is the ultimate distillation of the Superman mythos mm-hmm. um, in eight words R- and sure. four panels. Right. Uh, just expertly done. They knew exactly yes. what they had to do. We're going to tell, we're going to tell you some familiar stories, some new stories yes. for a familiar character. So let's just show you where we are. Right. How do you break, how do you break down Batman? Grant, uh, Frank Miller didn't try. Right. But what is it? Like rich, scion, dead parents. Yeah. Um, bat window. Right. Look out evil. Uh, training somehow. <laughs> to mountain <Yeah>. ninjas. Right. <laughs> yeah. So see, it starts to get complicated. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you know all you need to know in those first uh, sentences. Well, and I think that's great too because then we don't need to really revisit like Superman's origin. We get it. We we know what it is, and the creators are just reminding us. Yeah. This is where he comes from. And even in, I mean, DC for a long time past the 90s had been going through this grim and gritty thing thanks to people like Jeff Johns. Yeah. That is all. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure other people, but Johns, Jeff, that yes. is all. Uh, and so Morrison has always felt the need to fight against the grittiness of the late 80s and early 90s and even mid 90s and late 90s. Mm-hmm. And so this is still kind of a stab at that in that we get a Superman who isn't like, I don't want to kill you, Luthor. Or right, right. Not, nobody's wrestling with any of that stuff. No. This is a guy who is the the big blue boy scout, you know, who, who yes. we expect is completely compassionate, is faced with many bullies and people who deserve whatever happens to them and still is, you know... Optimistic. St- still optimistic, still um, committed to saving... Um, people's lives, you know, mm-hmm. even his enemies, mm-hmm. and is just wants to help everybody. And now is, for the first time in his life, faced with a ticking clock. Right. If you're Superman, and you are completely selfless, and you know you have, let's say, a year to live, what do you leave the world with? Mm-hmm. Right. And I think he does his best to leave it in in a in a good place. Um, I think he he really tries, and um, in a lot of ways, not to cut you off. No, you're um, fine. But in a lot of ways, it it reminds me of you know whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow, the Alan Moore story that was supposed to be the end of Superman before mm-hmm. the crisis reboot, and then John Byrne uh, sure. took over, where he basically just like, well, what happens if we we have to keep everything in a state of continual now because it's a serial medium? But what happens if we let these things go? to their logical ends. Right. And Morrison is doing that in a way. It's like, what if Superman had a year to put all his affairs in order to reveal himself to Lois, to do his utmost best to try to finally re- rehabilitate uh, Luthor, right. to, um, to help Kandor, um, to right. get somebody to feed the <laughs> alien zoo, you know, right. in the Fortress of Solitude. Right. Like, you know, what does he do to try to finally solve all these problems? Right. Um, and, and I thought it was great, too. Like, uh, we do see a comic in which he is largely Clark Kent uh, interviewing Luthor. <laughs> That's at, my favorite issue. Is it? Of the series. Yeah. I love that one the it's, most. It's pretty great. Yeah. Uh, interviewing Luthor at, at the prison. And, and Luthor has no idea that uh, he is Superman. Uh, and, you know, talks to him like he's a, he's a bumbling oaf. And, like, Luthor is like, I like you, Kent, you know, and... He's kind of chummy with him and stuff it's, like that. I know it's that perfect. I don't know if this is 
hubric <laughs> or the quality of hubris. Right. It's just that like that's why his it shows why because a lot of people wonder why does he why is he Clark Kent? Who cares? Right. He could just be Superman, Superman all, all the time, time and he can bring, you know, celery and French bread to Lois at the Fortress of Solitude. Mm-hmm. Nobody could get in there. They'd be fine. Right. Uh, you know, who, who, who cares? Right. And the thing is, is that like it affords him. First of all, it's who he is. And yeah. it also affords him, <laughs> you know, people, don't, they underestimate him. I like the fact that he continually outs himself to people as Superman when he's Clark Kent. And, and they, they don't, don't believe, believe him. him. Yeah. <laughs> like, like oh, good disguise. Yeah. He literally tells Lois, like, I'm Superman. She's like, stop messing with me. Come I know. On. And um, even at the end, when he is dying, he's still trying, because <laughs> he's also a journalist, he's still trying to meet his deadline of the story he wrote about Superman dying. Yes. He, he's writing a story about literally his own death. Yeah. And he turns it in. And at the Daily Planet, and everybody there is like, wait a minute, is this, I, this isn't Clark Kent. This is Superman in disguise as Clark Kent. Right. Which at this point is like, comics are insane. <laughs> <laughs> How does this even work? Mm-hmm. They're like, I could tell you weren't really Clark Kent Superman. I, I know, now right? put this S on and get out there. I know, <laughs> like, right? What are you talking about? I know. Yeah, it's it's great. It is great. That um, whole scene with him uh, in Strikers with uh, Luthor. Mm-hmm. And they're going along, and the the whole thing is he's there to interview Luthor, but he's really, he can't, I don't know why he can't, I think if he appears to him as, well, first of all, in his job as a journalist, it's an interview with Lex Luthor. Mm-hmm. It's like 21st century Hitler, like, we gotta interview this guy. Right. But if he'd showed up as Superman, he would have got what he got in the second to last issue, I think it was, where Superman just come. it's, he's got hours maybe days left Mm -hmm. and he comes to luthor and he's like lex i'm gonna be gone you you it's your planet now do you know Mm -hmm. what i mean Mm -hmm. not that you can rule it but you can be like me you can use your talents for good please do this and luthor just spits on the on the glass yeah that's what would have happened if he had gone to him in prison so instead he goes as clark kent with his fake clumsiness, inadvertently saves Lex from being electrocuted. I know. I like the fact that that's not something that necessarily was ever really leaned on in the comics, but it's a big part of the films. And Morrison is trying to bring, bring it all in. into this goulash, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's he's all clumsy, but he's like knocks a guy out of the you know into and he, he runs into a guy and the guy's like, "Hey, asshole!" But a car like goes through where that guy would have been. Yeah. And so he saves that guy's life. And, right. There's just, uh, you know, yeah, he's doing that. So he goes to the prison and he gets Lex to sort of confess all this stuff. But while they're in this prison and shouldn't there be a super powered prison? I guess it's also a super powered prison. But while he's there, they're moving Parasite through the the halls. Yes. And Parasite is, you know, absorbs energy from powerful people. So he starts to absorb Superman's energy. And right. Superman's like, oh, we got to get out of here. This is bad. But yeah. I'm just pretending to be Clark Kent. Right. So he does all these things to make Luthor think that he's bumbling, he's bumbling, but he's also like, you know, saving Luthor's life. Oh, excuse me. And he like knocks a guy out who's uh, pointing a gun at Luthor right? and making Luthor, Luthor shoots the thing. But Superman's like creates an earthquake with his foot. So the parasite gets crushed. Right. And Luthor's like, hmm, I guess my bullets did the job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he's like doing things that like kind of make it seem like he's cowardly but he's actually like you said like saving luthor yeah 
which is it's pretty cool. He is, and Grant Morrison would like this, he is God. Uh-huh. And Luthor is the devil. Right. Or f- fallen man. Right. And he's trying to give, he can't make Luthor be good, but he's trying no. to give Luthor the opportunity. every chance he can. And one of the things I really like it's it's also it's out of character for Clark, but at the very end of that scene, like Luthor shows Clark that I don't have to be in this prison. I've got a trap door. I can leave right. anytime I want, but I'm letting my plans come to fruition. And he gets Clark out of the prison and he's gonna take him away. And Clark's basically just like, Look, you're gonna die. They're gonna put you to death. It doesn't matter how smart you are. You're you're not gonna get through this. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And Luthor's still like, ah, don't worry about it, we got it. Lexi, eyebrow. I know, I know. But when he draws his eyebrow back on, he draws it wrong, so it's like arch. I know. So it looks like everything he's saying is like, whoa. I know. Which is what he's doing. Yeah. (laughs) So great. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Man, I can go on forever. Yeah. Let me talk about some of your favorite parts. Um, Let's see. I really do like the one where, where Lois gets her superpowers and then like, what, Samson and was it Atlas? Yeah. Um. They're like, oh, let's do a contest and like see who the lady is going to spend the day with. And it's like, doesn't she going to say all this? But it's like just some guys being macho. Um, and I mean, eventually, of course, she spends the day with Superman. So, yeah. Um, but it's cool that he has a costume he made for her and stuff like that, too. Leggy. Yes. Very leggy. I mean, he could have made her some comfortable pants or some culottes or something like that. I suppose. But she shows off her legs throughout the series. I mean, she's like often in dresses that have like a slit up the side or what have you. Yeah. It is what it is. He takes her to dinner on the Titanic. I don't remember that. He raises the Titanic. Went For her birthday, he takes yeah. her to the Fortress of Solitude. Yes. Uh, this is also kind of from Superman 2. And he... Raises the Titanic. Okay. And they're having dinner, dinner in one of the staterooms. Okay. And then even tells her like, oh, the the, you know, the menu is what they would have served on the Titanic. And they're just going through this whole thing. Okay. All right. Why don't I remember that? I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Um, uh, it's all connected because at one point he's showing her around the um, fortress. Mm-hmm. And she sees like in this room, she sees a robot. And Superman has robots, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, he sees uh, a robot working on a thing, and it looks like like her. It looks like like a scan of her. Yeah. And so she starts to get paranoid that like, wait a minute, this guy is an alien. Like, what do I know about this guy? Is he right. gonna like put alien babies in me or something like that? And so right. she freaks out. And we later learn that it was like this alien virus that was con- you know contaminated. You know, she becomes infected with. It makes her paranoid. We also learn that that robot, Robot Seven, was infiltrated by Luthor. And so the serum that Superman develops that gives her Superman powers, he like steals basically like the robot was inadvertently or inadvertently working for him. Working for Luthor. And that's how Luthor gets Gets the powers at the end. Oh, okay, Right. Yeah. Okay. And that robot sacrifices itself later when Superman and all the robots are fighting um, the tyrant son. Yes. Which is, I think, just a. I think Morrison came up with that. I, I, can't, I can't remember, but that's just a, such a cool... It's such a 50s, like, Mort Weisinger, like, Superman villain. <laughs> um, but Robot 7 specifically is like, no, I have to I have to atone because I betrayed you. And Superman's like, no, what are you doing? Don't. He even cares about his robots. I know, right? Um, 
Yeah, and like the alien zoo, like you were talking about too. Um, well, and then like the the two aliens after he was in, um, he visited like Bizarro World or yeah, whatever. Yeah. So in this like continuity, it seems like there is no. I can't figure out if there is a Bizarro. They say Bizarro very soon, but even at this point, I think in their world, and we'll talk about Leo Quintum in a bit because he's the big mystery in my opinion that this whole thing turns on Mm -hmm. but leo quintum has bizarro clones which are basically very tough sort of i don't want to say slaves but they're like a worker class right developed from superman's dna but they're they're, right they're not they don't match up to superman no and they're called bizarro not because of the villain Bizarro, bizarro but i think because in the Seinfeld way, <laughs> do you know what I mean? I feel like in this world, the idea of something being bizarro, aka being a weird Bobo clone of something, right, preceded Bizarro, okay, the character, sure, because they call them Bizarro clones. Later on, he meets an entire world of Bizarros, and everybody's surprised by it. Yeah. So I don't think Bizarro, like me, am no your friend, really exists up until the point that Superman goes to their world right. and meets all the Bizarros, right? Yeah. And then he, which that's the only like it's in the middle, but yes. it's the only like two part, yes, story here. Yes, and it's. Did you like it? It's weird. It's weird. It's hard to follow. Um, it is. And then like he like makes friends with like, Zabaro. Zabaro, delicious. Yeah, I know, right? Pizza, um, and he like tells him. Um, you know, if I can find a way to bring you back with me, I will, you know, like later. But right now I only have room for myself you know, on this rocket. I have one of the robots do that because yeah. I'm going to die. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but I'm going to get out of here. Right. Um, so, I mean, it, I, it's understandable, but it, it seems kind of selfish in a way. It does, but. I mean, he does need to get back. Yeah. I mean, that is, I mean, it's literally the belly of the beast. You know, I think that I'm not going to do it here. I'd love to later, but you could map this onto the sort of Campbellian sort of story cycle. Yeah. And this is, he's literally in the underverse. He is literally at the lowest point in the beauty, uh, beauty of the beast, in the belly of the beast. Mm -hmm. Um, And in this continuity, you know, Bizarro world is an organism itself which like feeds on other things, life forms, energies, and sort of copies them. And so mm-hmm. it approaches Earth and becomes like this, the square Earth that we know of, right. of Bizarro Earth. And all the inhabitants show up as formless things, but then they start sort of touching humans and become, you know, bizarre, Bizarro peoples. Yeah. And then he, he defeats it, but he gets sort of sucked back into the Underverse as it sort of descends into right. the Underverse. So he's literally going into the Underworld you know, and he's going to come back. Right. It's Jesus. Right. It's Jesus. Okay. Well, when he comes back, there are these two aliens that are from Krypton. Right. Who are... Which, I, <laughs> I could look it up. My DC stuff is pretty good. It's not great. I don't know if these are actual... There have been plenty of Kryptonian characters sure. who have shown up. Hey, you're not the last son and right. things have gone wrong. Um, we get point to Superman too, of course. Um, right. I like the fact that he didn't try to put Zod into this. We don't have time for that. Right. So instead, it's just oh, they're Kryptonian astronauts who were sent out 
to do something. Planet blows up. They're marooned in space. Right. And they eventually find Earth. Right. And I like the fact that we see that, you know, maybe Krypton wasn't uh, all that great. You know, we get the idea. It was nice as they thought yeah. it was. Yeah. I mean, and this is, of course, I think stolen. Not stolen. It's there. They, they can use it if they want for Man of Steel. Mm-hmm. In Man of Steel, the Kryptonians are an expansionist, um, controlling race, you know, mm-hmm. who. It's not good that they would find Earth. They would right. take over Earth. Right. Um, they would colonize Earth. And and, and I think that they are the kind of superheroes that are not, they're not selfless. They do things. Right. Um, because that's what they want to do. Right. And they, like, somehow took the statues of, like, Superman's parents and, like, turned them into statues of themselves. They just lasered them with their eyes, probably. Yeah, probably. Speci- I know that for a fact they were looking at this because in Man of Steel there is specifically a monologue by Jor-El played by Russell Crowe where he talks about how you know he should be an inspiration for mankind and they will stumble and run and eventually they will join you in the sun that is directly from issue 12 I think of this series Mm -hmm. it's that death vision that Superman's having after he dies where he sees himself with uh, his dad yeah yeah so yeah and the one thing I mean, we don't have to go. We can if you want to. We don't have to go issue by issue through this. I think the one falling down of that issue, the curse of the replacement Superman, is that he doesn't like beat them or win because of his Superman manness. Right. He just wins because they got infected They're, with kryptonite when they were in space. Right. And didn't know it up until the point where they started losing their powers. Right. <laughs> there isn't anything that he. Does. There's no way that he proves that being Superman is better than being a super fascist. Right, right. He he didn't show that like being selfless is, is like the way to go and that sort of thing. Yeah, um, and he like, in order to save their lives, quote unquote, he like sends them to the phantom. He sends them to the phantom zone. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which I, like, I like that last panel because it's like, you you want to beat up bad guys? Right. There's plenty for you to beat up. Go to the phantom zone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. Um, yeah, I think that the professor is kind of a mysterious oh. figure, and okay, like, we're doing that. Uh, I don't really know what we're supposed to take away from that. I mean, I do like the issue too, where um, Jimmy Olsen kind of like takes over for him for a day. Um, the Superman Olsen War. Yes, um, and uh, he's wearing the rainbow coat and everything. Yeah, let let's just do it. Okay. What do you think? Of that? A coat of many colors? Um, I don't know what that is. He is yeah, maybe he's quintum. Like... That means five. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that is. Leo is a lion. Right. I don't know what that is. Well, maybe he's like, you know, like a, a wizard, like the Wizard of Oz or something like that. Like, don't look behind the curtain because then maybe he's But the Wizard of powerful. Oz is a sham. Yeah. He's true. a zillionaire. Who, and I think that this is part of what it is, is that he is a person, man, mm-hmm. who has been inspired by Superman. Superman's, right. if he is Jesus or a religious figure or some kind of, um, some kind of uh, superlative sort of example for us, then Leo Quintum is the kind of person that gets his DNA samples from Superman. Mm-hmm. Superman does science experiments for him like mm-hmm. i don't know what his business was before superman came around but he clearly superman has 
helped him change the world just by existing. That's true. He is one of the people that will join him in the sun. You know, he is Superman has provided an example for us to be better than we are, Mm -hmm. not just morally, but in terms of what we aspire to do. And Leo Quintum is the guy who is just sprinting towards that, that horizon. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's that. Right. I guess. Well, but otherwise, he's just a... Regular science guy. Regular. He's anything but regular. <laughs> he's a total invention by uh, Morrison, as far as I can tell. Mm-hmm. The theory. Yes. Going around the internet. Yeah. Is that he is Lex Luthor. Oh. But he's so helpful. Yes. But, and I don't agree with this theory. Okay. Mostly because nobody's, there is no good proof. If you go on a site that says this, they give you examples, but they're all those like grasping examples. Didn't he say in this panel that, wouldn't that mean there's too many steps in every single one of the examples? Uh Except for the main idea, which is if the whole thing is that Superman is inspiring people to be better. Right. We got that. Also the idea that one of the other inspirations for this series was Morrison thinking about if you were like Superman, you could see the forces of gravity and time and space. You know, you could know everything. You could see everything. Right. Your perspective would be so different. You would forget about the petty jealousies, the petty conflicts between nations, which is Lex gets a little slice of that. He imagined this scene where Lex Luthor gets Superman's powers and has his whole worldview changed because he feels what Superman must feel all the time. Right. Not that Superman, a.k.a. Clark Kent, a.k.a. Kal-El, isn't just a good person because he had a good upbringing, but also you couldn't be evil if you saw that we were all connected. Like, we're all we've got, man. Right. (laughs) Like, Lex, you know, realizes at the end. Right. And so... That's kind of how Lex is defeated. He's defeated because Superman uses his super brain right. to find a way to stop, to uh, run out the clock on Lex's Superman powers. Yes. But also because he exposes Lex to the most dangerous thing to a supervillain, empathy. Yeah, right. And so we don't see Lex after that. But what if Lex learns that lesson, uses his genius to go back in time and become Leo Quintum okay. and help the human race and also help Superman through these 12 trials. Huh. I mean, it's an interesting theory. They never interact. Right. You don't, don't ever hear Lex Luthor go, I'm not some pretender like that Leo Quintum no. fraud. No. Like they never go, to, uh, you know, they never cross at all in no. the story. Uh-uh. That's very true. I mean, I don't know. It's an interesting theory. It's one I did not think of myself. Um, But, I mean, it's hard for me to believe, too, that Lex would be that selfless. That's the point of the story. I know. I know. That he he turns to be selfless. What has Superman accomplished? If not that. If not to change the mind. Of Lex Luthor. Of his greatest enemy. Yeah. That's true. I mean influence those that he's loved too um 
but who don't believe he's Clark, <laughs> Clark right <Kent>. right exactly <laughs> but um um I don't hmm <laughs> I, I'm just processing this um process out loud uh, it's okay. a radio show I know um I I think that would be really remarkable um I don't feel like that's really what happened though um i don't really either necessarily i just without that i don't know where he fits who this in. person's supposed to be well that's true um and then like when jimmy olsen takes over for him like where does he go for a day like what does he do he was meeting the glowing skeleton people oh is that what he was doing yeah like shrinking down to candor no, they, they he mentions that they met Superman. Stopped a comet from hitting Earth, and inside the comet were these glowing skeleton people. Oh, okay, right. Who live on in another reality or something? And so he was going to visit them. Visit them. Okay. All right. Um, and the whole like Jimmy Olsen's like his whole thing is like, oh, I shouldn't have pissed off that gypsy. That's a very sort of Mort Weisinger kind of thing too he's bringing in like the Jimmy Olsen Superman's pal comics where just crazy ridiculous stupid things that happen to Jimmy Olsen <laughs> get turned into a gorilla right there's no gorillas in this at all that's no. the one thing that Morrison must not like or <laughs> just left out on purpose but yeah well there's animals in the zoo maybe there are gorillas well there. yeah yeah but yeah um yeah uh um, do you think that Lex Luthor learns his lesson in the end? I think he learns the lesson that I just said. Oh, okay. <laughs> that, right. that he realized, because remember, he's all about the fact that he's, everybody should listen to him. He's the smartest. Mm -hmm. Superman is the smartest and most powerful. And all he wants to do is serve and help. Yeah. Which is, <clears throat> you know, sadly, that's probably the most fictional Part of this universe, I guess that I mean, even the you know uh, Philip Wiley's novel Gladiator, which was the inspiration for Superman about this guy who gains these powers. That guy becomes a tyrant mm. and an asshole. Okay, and he's killed by a lightning bolt. Wow! But just for whatever reason, you must accept a priori that good old fashioned, you know, uh, 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 a Bible Belt uh, <laughs> family can raise this kid to just right. go. What do you need, Earth? I'll do whatever you need me to do. Right. right. But Les Luthor is the opposite of that. He's like, I know better. I should be in charge. You know, screw this guy. And then he realizes that he isn't the center of the universe and that, you know, rocks his worldview. Yeah. Um, well, what do you think of, like, like the ending? Isn't it like Superman's death is, like, impending? Like, we, there, we haven't saved Superman. There's nothing that we've done that is prevented his death we find out that some this is it's kind of everything connects together thematically so well mm -hmm. this is the part that doesn't is a little abrupt is that apparently something's wrong with the sun like right luthor made a deal with the tyrant sun to sort of poison the sun because mm -hmm. if it turns red then superman loses all his powers mm -hmm. um and so he's able to stop luthor he stops the tyrant sun but something's still wrong with the sun. Right. And it's not exactly clear, but he has to go take off and fix that. Right. 
and as he's leaving, he is coming apart at the seams, basically. Like yeah, he's like glowing We are to understand that he will die. Yeah. And so as the thing ends, we don't see him. He's not around. Right. But nobody believes that he is gone forever. Especially Lois. Yeah. And then we see that great splash page at the end of him <laughs> pulling on a lever. And it is reminiscent of the sort of works progress administration, like murals, you know, of the 30s. Sure. Of yeah. this sort of like, yeah, I don't exactly know what it's trying to say, except he's a working man who's who's working, you know, and he's going to do it. It has to we'll do what it takes. Well, and it's kind of reminiscent, too, of I feel like murals or, you know, ch- etchings of like a god, mm-hmm. you know, um, of a doing, bas relief. Yeah. Of a mythological figure. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. it kind of seems like that to and me. that's morrison's way of without dwelling on it too much also incorporating the story from the early 90s the death of superman because mm-hmm. um when he dies um in that they erect a memorial in metropolis park of a okay. statue of him with an eagle on his arm which isn't spotlighted but is in one of the panels they sure. show that there is you know that exists okay okay yeah, and it's we see the splash page and it's been a year later and lois still doesn't believe that he's gone yeah i also like the fact that he learns from the jor-el hallucination that mm-hmm. um he said who knows if this is true but he says that his there's something about kryptonian physiology that it isn't just that solar yellow solar energy makes you stronger but it actually like is converting his body into a radio consciousness hmm. and i'm not sure what that means exactly no it could be a reference to Superman's popularity on the radio. Sure. How, like, he was a popular comic book, but it's really, like, the radio show that, like, came up Launched with Kryptonite, him. came up with, um, I think, some of the side characters, like Jimmy Olsen and Perry White. Okay, sure. Um, that was as, just as important as the comics to yeah. his, um, his reality. But also the idea that it also, so it incorporates the death of Superman, it also incorporates his weirdo changes in power he never turns into a lightning guy mm-hmm. or a red and a blue superman in this right but he does at the very in the very first issue like gain a new ability to like throw energy bolts or whatever right. which is part of the sometimes on sometimes off explanation of his powers as not being like the the, the idea that his powers actually st- extend from a bioelectric field that's generated by his cells mm-hmm. so it isn't that the tissue itself is super tough but that there's like a force shield like around him mm-hmm. and that explains why he can do things like pick up a mountain like by the edge like wouldn't the internal stresses of the mountain destroy it and he'd be left holding the Just, edge yeah <laughs> something. seems like do, it do you know what i mean yeah. yeah uh that that bioelectric field sort of extends over whatever it is that he's picking up okay sure so not necessary but it's again. It's just he wants to tick every box. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think this comic accomplishes that. So, do you have a Grant Morrison without Alan Moore? Is that mm. is Alan Moore like the I, precursor? I will write things, and then people Grant Morrison will join me in the light. <laughs> like, is <laughs> Alan Moore the son that Grant Morrison is running after? Maybe. I don't I don't know. I mean, I don't know if he would feel that way or not. But <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I don't okay. I don't know. No. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think he would admit it. I don't know what their relationship is. Mm, non existent. Not good. Okay. Not buddies. Right. 
Um, I I mean, I do think that Alan Moore is incredibly influential as well. And like, um, I mean, I think a lot of his work has inspired other people. You're both magicians. Right. Um, I don't know if you could have a Grant Morrison without an Alan Moore. Um, feels like maybe, maybe might be academic because you, you know, think about Watchmen. Like, there's a lot of writers and probably artists that you wouldn't have without Alan Moore. But yeah. I'm just talking like specifically in terms of their deconstructionist style. Hmm. Hmm. And showing how point A con- connects to ca- point B and that sort of thing. How point A connects to point Z 237. Well, right. And everything else. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know if you could. I mean, they get like the, the big picture and like they connect everything, like you said. So uh, I don't know if it's possible. I, I doubt he would cite him as an influence, but. Oh, he has. Oh, he has? Yeah. Okay. Um. A little surprised by that, but, but then he's like taking it back, taking it back, criticized him, and praised him, and right. I'm just Call saying, him all like, the names in the book. If you want to keep the religious thing going, mm-hmm. you know, we've got a father and a son. I see. Is Mark Millar the Holy Ghost? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I. I maybe let's make Warren Ellis the Holy Ghost. Okay. Yeah. All right. Sure. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Favorite moments. Mm, uh, like I said, I really like when. Um, he gave Lois the powers. Um, I like when he puts Candor on Mars. Yeah. Um, that's kind of neat. Um, that's also, I'm not sure if it had happened at this point. Maybe it had actually happened previously, but there's always been this problem of Candor. And like what does a, he do with them? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure it was before 2006 or 2005 when this came out, but at some point they did came up with a way to create an entire planet that the Kandorians could be on. They called it New Krypton, and it was sort of like in the opposite orbit of the Earth. Oh, okay. Shared like the same orbit, but like on the other side of the sun. So they would never really run into each other? Yeah, but then you've got like millions of supermen who can just fly around in the solar system and do whatever they want, so it it becomes a problem. Well, here's my question for you. Did he leave Kandor miniature on Mars? Or did he... Okay, that's They never figured out how to... Because remember... This is only focuses on Lex Luthor. There's no Brainiac. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no Mongol. There's no, right. you know, I'm a toy man. I don't know. There's no. <laughs> right. This is just about Superman and Luthor, God mm-hmm. and the devil, if you will. Right. And so he doesn't crack the shrinking problem, but he does go, well, you just they're still super powerful. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just leave them out there. They can do whatever they want. Right. They don't care how big things are. No. And then they're not really a threat to Earth either because they're so far away i mean they could fly to earth i suppose sure Mm. but they they seem less threatening i think if they're further away yeah so yeah um so i mean i i like that that he has a, a home for them um he never is able to go back to bizarro world and Save Zabaro or bring Zabaro with him. No, but yeah, I mean, that's sort of <laughs> that is, yeah, that again, and maybe this is supposed to map onto something culturally or religiously, but you know, he does 
he gets out. Right. And then later on, as he's sort of shutting the fortress down, he's mm-hmm. telling the robots, you know, take care of all this stuff. Yeah. You know, this is good stuff. And he's got Zabaro's poetry and he's like, you know, right. make sure you take care of this. And <laughs> but you know, Zabaro's still, still frozen in the underverse. World. Yeah, exactly. But I have to believe that, you know, we already see, you know, Leo Quintum finds a way into the underverse and then we already see him starting to explore it. So at some point, we're going to get they'll Zabaro. find Bizarro World and maybe mm-hmm. help them. Okay. Right. Um, speaking of the Kandorians, I like how we set up that Superman, you know, goes to like kids' homes and visits the sick. Yeah, that was nice. Which is something that Jesus did, ministered to the sick. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he comes back at the end and he's like, I'm going to die, but how would you all like to not have cancer anymore? Right. Just the mini scientists. The, yeah, yeah. The uh, mini Kandorians to mm-hmm. save the kids' lives. That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Um, God, what else? <laughs> like when he has the, the arm wrestling match with Samson and Atlas. I know. Because the whole time, like, they set up these guys are like, these guys are tough. Right. And they want they want to date Lois well, Lane. I know. And you kind of get worried for Superman. You do. But you never should really be worried for Superman. No. In this series. Because immediately we set top. out, here's the trade-off. He's got... His power is tripled as the story starts because right. he's solar juiced up or whatever. Right. So he's God. The trade-off is he's going to die. Right. But Jesus is like, okay, well, talk to me when that happens because been there, done that. Right. And so he ne- we never really have to worry about him being defeated. It's not about that, mm-hmm. which in all good Superman stories aren't. It's never right. about him being defeated. Right. Oh, yeah. Sometimes you get a kryptonite rock around your neck and you get pushed into a pool and Miss Tessmacher has to save you right. in uh, the Richard Donner film. Right. But it's never about him physically being in danger. It's about can he save the people that he loves, right? which is sometimes the entire earth, right. and can he change the minds of people who are evil who oppose him. and just won't yeah. come around? Right. It isn't like Daredevil beats up a guy who is poor and maybe if he didn't last his job at the plant, he wouldn't be robbing people in Hell's Kitchen. Mm-hmm. It's, he, Superman literally faces people who it's like, come on, man, what's your deal? I am literally God. Like, you, why are you still fighting against me? Right. Let's, let's just, come on, I, let's work this out. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you set that up immediately. And so he fights. <laughs> so we finally get down to the arm wrestling match between Atlas right. and Samson and Superman, and he just crushes them. Right. <laughs> There's just never any chance. It's never a question of no. if, whether he will or not. Yeah. And there's like, there's the, Quietly has so many great little touches in this, but yeah. there's that thing where as they're, they're arm wrestling, but apparently there's so many, so much forces happening that like flames are shooting out of the ground and earthquakes are happening. <laughs> and Lois is sitting and watching this and she's got Superman power, but like, there's this one panel where a rock falls on her head. Yes. And it splits in half. And she's like, ooh. Like, like it hurts her a little bit. Yeah. Well, not that it hurts, but it's just like it's surprising. You yeah. know, like, ooh. <laughs> she's like, what? what? Yeah, that, um, the um, all the interplay with uh, with Kat and uh, Steve Lombard at the, uh, at the Dilly Planet. Oh, yeah. And the Bizarros come and he's like, oh superman i'm a big fan hey i'm immune to these bizarro guys yes. and he's like do you mind if i uh superman's like i'm gonna look in your blood is that okay yeah. ask permission gets yes. consent yes and he looks in his blood he's like 
okay, I see why they didn't affect you. I'm not I sure I would, uh, you know, I, w- I would approve those enhancements for everyone. No, I know. Those pills you're taking. I but know. <laughs> he's, just, he's just really discreet. Yeah. <laughs> I don't but think that's going to help everyone. Yeah. yeah. No. It's like, great that you're immune and all, but. <laughs> and he's got to deliver this. He promised Perry the exclusive of the century, which is, you know. Superman's death. A story about the death of Superman. Yeah. And he's he's solved all these problems. He's taking care of everything. He's got the crypt, uh, the Kandorians on Mars. And yep. he's done all this stuff. Yep. And he's got to get to the office on time to deliver the the story he's and Perry White's like clock can is fired in 10 seconds and he walks counting in. down and Superman's flying around the earth and just in like single panels and we got one panel of a kid chasing a ball in front of a truck imminently gonna hit him and Superman's on one side yeah and it's like three two you know one and then Superman's like or Clark Kent is like Oh, everybody, I'm here. Whoops. Oh, careful. Oh, right, you dropped right. your coffee. Oh, I caught it. Oh, yeah. It's like, Bumbling here's the story, back. chief. Right. And then we cut back to a kid, the kid on the sidewalk, and he's okay. You know, right. It's like, even in that moment, he had, you know, he took the chance to, like, save this kid. Right. Right. And we're forgetting, of course, the probably one of the most memorable panels, and the one that's definitely talked about a lot and reshared, which is him going through all this stuff, stopping a train, you know, a monorail from crashing you know in metropolis mm-hmm. and everybody's like oh my god is that superman are you okay no don't hang up right and he like hears this conversation out of all the conversations which is this psychiatrist like talking to his patient yes who's, like yeah going through suicidal some, yeah yeah and she's uh-huh. up on a building and he's done all these other things he's moved mountains he's fought all these guys and he just you know this girl drops her phone off the thing. It's I love the fact that Quietly can just show there's so much energy and emotion and emotion in his panels that, you know, mm-hmm. you can do one panel and you feel the motion happening in it. You know, mm-hmm. she drops her phone off of this ledge of this building. Yes. And Superman appears behind her and is like, you know, it's OK. Yeah. You know, there's, there's people that are there for you. Your therapist really is running late, you know, but we'll be here shortly. Yeah. Yeah. And like just comforts her and everything. Yeah. Uh, it's that's really great yeah yeah no um that just shows how caring and responsible superman is there's nobody well i hate to get more religious again but you know his eye is on the sparrow Mm -hmm. that's something from the bible the idea that if god you know watches the, the fate of a sparrow who may you know rise and fall or die how much more is he paying attention to somebody who is made in his image? Oh, yeah. I see what you're saying. You know, that yeah. even the littlest problem is is not, Superman doesn't consider below him. Right. Right. Um, well, and I think, you know, he is emblematic of what we can strive to to be. Um, Kal-El, I will join you in the light. Right. Let me throw this phone at my assistant. <laughs> Don't be like me. Don't be like me. <laughs> Are you not entertained? Uh, anything else that you want to say about the series? Um, no, I just, I really like Frank Quietly's art. Um, I think it's really great, very expressive. They didn't get into the Legion in this and Superman's adventures with them in the future, but they did manage to kind of hook that in with him dealing with the Superman, the, the literal men of tomorrow, 
um, the his descendants. Oh like yes, like Cal Kent. Yes, you know the Superman of the mystery Superman of uh, four thousand five hundred. Who ends up being yeah him? Well, in this case, yeah, he disguises yeah. himself as him. Yeah, to in order to say goodbye to his dad. Yeah, who he basically he has a time machine. He could go back in time and save him. And save him, or he can go back in time, and it's called, the, the creature's called the chronovore, so maybe you don't want to mess around too much with time, but you could find some way to keep the chronovore from being there, or stop him earlier in time, but Superman knows that that moment has happened already, and he can't well, mess like, with it, and so like he does his point. best, well, I mean, I don't want to, I've tried to avoid using Doctor Who terms, yeah. but, but he doesn't, He's he's accepted that, but he does take the opportunity in the only way he can, which is to disguise himself as somebody who was already there but wouldn't be recognized right. in order to have this last word you know with his father yes which is yeah there's a lot of uh heart-wrenching of, moments yeah dust included within the pages yeah of yeah. these comics yeah um did you like the uh the unjustice league um well how much did we really get to see of them? We didn't see a whole lot of them. No, we? but they no, but they appear in that in the Bizarro sequence. Oh yeah, yeah, and like Flash the, is like super slow. <laughs> with the just yeah, <laughs> the Justice League's uh, their you know, headquarters is a satellite, so the Unjustice League is at the center of the Earth. Right. And they come up and Green Lantern's you know can his power is to think of anything, but he but he can't think of anything. Right. <laughs> right. And the, and the Flash is super slow. But he has no secret weapon, which is a match. Right. And so he spends, he comes up in this panel. And, and he, again, you can sense the motion or in this case, lack of motion in the panel. Like, right. This he's guy is slowly coming very, up. Yeah. And then like t- 20 panels later, he's like, I'm here and I've got a match. Right. Which is what you need to start the rocket. Right. But then the match gets blown out. Exactly. <laughs> so Superman has to improvise. And then once again, use reverse, reverse, reverse psychology on right. Bizarro and be like, me, I'm your friend. Right. Me, want to stay here forever. Right. And he's like, you am no go. And <laughs> throws him, yeah. Do you find that exhausting? Uh, a little bit. I it's, find it exhausting to read properly written Bizarro dialogue. It's a little exhausting yeah. uh, to get the gist of it. They, they show Wonder Woman briefly, too. Yeah, but she's Bizarro. just a clay statue. Right. Because she was never turned into well, right. a woman. Exactly. Yeah. So... Yeah. Bad Zaro, Bad Zaro killed by his parents. Yeah. <laughs> or no killed by his parents <laughs> years ago. <laughs> oh, yeah. That would have been good, too. Good but, stuff. Yep. Yeah. Um, I really I really enjoyed this. Um, I think this is very enjoyable, and um, I'm glad we, we read this. It's well-loved. It won uh, three different Eisner Awards for Best New and Continuing Series. I would absolutely recommend it. And what is so magical about it is you don't even have to know anything about Superman. I mean, you live and, you know, you live in America, you were born in America, or maybe even you moved to America. I can't speak for the darkest jungles of Borneo, if you know anything about Superman. But <laughs> if you know anything about Superman, then you know everything you need to know to enjoy this. Mm-hmm. And if you are very familiar with Superman, then you will be in- treated to something that takes what you know and 
remixes it in an interesting way. Mm-hmm. And it just works for both experienced readers and novice readers. You know, I unequivocally recommend it. Yeah, no, I... To anyone. I completely agree with you. Yeah. Uh, it's... Um, it's probably some of the best Superman comics I've ever read. So. Would you want a sequel? <sighs> um, I'd say, yeah, I would like more of the same. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but um, if they could somehow get lightning in a bottle a second time, yeah, I definitely want a sequel. How about you? No. No. <laughs> Okay. Isn't the answer to that no? I guess. In a perfect world, it's yes, but how do you know that it's going to turn out good? Yeah, I suppose. I don't even know what it would be. What's I the don't next? What, well, okay, so Superman is never any one thing. Morrison decided to focus on the savior, you know, messi- messianic element. Yep. So, what, what else do you explore about Superman? Um. He walks across America to. I don't. I don't know. His longevity. Um, you take him into the future. Yeah, I think so. Like maybe he transports himself to the future and is able to save himself somehow. But now he's like years and years in the future. Somebody else did that. Oh, okay. I don't remember what it was. Okay. I know that Kingdom Kingdom Come um, is in the future. It's only like ten years in the future, but mm-hmm. it does show like. How does Superman deal with, you know, what if the world outgrows him? Right. You know, or he wants the world to be uh, inspired by him. And what if they say, nah, we like this. Right. Um, But there was something else. That I can't remember what it is now. But there's something else that follows. I thought the Superman family through several thousand years, like after and what happens with his descendants. And mm-hmm. shoot. Okay. It's not branded well. No, I guess Apparently, not. I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> um, I would like to. This is much. This is about Earth. Yes. I'd like to see his take on Cosmic Superman. Oh sure, yeah. Because we think of truth, justice in the American way, of course, mm-hmm. but in in the comics, but also also uh, underlined in like the superpowers cartoon and, you know, even to a degree in the Timverse stuff. Yeah. He's a Superman for everybody. Mm -hmm. If you live on, if you're a a bird person from Kablork and you fall out of your flying car, I don't think you can necessarily rely on Superman to show up to get you. (laughs) Right. But if a Mongol parks war world in orbit and Mm -hmm. is going to, you know, destroy you, uh, Superman is going to show up and save the day. Right. And so, yeah, I like to see him deal with like other aliens. And I always like seeing Superman speak alien languages and sure. have people be like, oh, I love that guy. He's right. really weird looking, but I love him when he stops by. And right. Helps right. out. Right. You see him in an alien orphanage. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, why not? Um, maybe he brings Lois along to some of his cosmic stuff too eh. <laughs> i've had enough of lois oh all right okay she's one of my f- she's she might well she's not my favorite clearly but she's top five favorite comic book characters for me but let's see some kiss somebody else all right. right all right sure come on i'll see okay. her kiss somebody else i don't care all right <laughs> i i do love her in um the 
Was the original Superman? I want to see movies? Morrison's take on Lobo. On Lobo? Yeah, Superman runs into Lobo. Okay. And I feel like, no offense to Keith Giffen, but I feel like Lobo is fairly worthless. <laughs> I think he's got entertainment value, but what's the point of the character? I'd like to see Morrison unearth some point, like a point to Lobo. Okay. Sorry, you were saying. No, I was just saying I, I really enjoyed Lois from, like, I think it's the original Superman films or whatever. Margot Kidder. Yeah. Yes. Um, amazing. When she's like asking like how to spell certain words yeah, yeah. and stuff don't, like don't that. Yeah, don't ruin her bit. It's great. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny and refreshing. So You've got me. Who's got you? Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, that's it. I hope you enjoyed our talk about Superman. And if you want these issues, you can get them. Mm -hmm. They're collected. Of course, they are. I'll leave a link in the show notes to Amazon. Yes. If you click that Amazon link or if you click through our banner on our website, Mm -hmm. justenoughtrope.com, it'll take you to Amazon when you shop on Amazon by going through our links or our banners Anything you buy, anything, Mm -hmm. a percentage of that transaction comes back to us. That's right. At no extra cost to you. You Mm -hmm. won't even know about it. Painless, and it helps support the show. It's a great way to support us Mm -hmm. by just doing what you do. Mm -hmm. Camping supplies. Right. Pharmaceuticals. Can you buy drugs on Amazon? I don't know. Me, probably. Vitamins. Get get your big pack of Tylenol or something like that. Yeah, I I could use that. Uh, yeah, all that comes back to us and helps keep the lights on here, and we appreciate it. Mm-hmm. I don't need to do that. Here's why. Why? I lucked out. Yeah? I took a trip mm-hmm. to the city in which I went to college, uh-huh. which is far away from the city where I currently live. Yes. Just down there, I can't remember why, uh, for some reason, went to one of the, my old comic haunts. Mm-hmm. It's going through the back issues and flipping through in the A's. I started at the A's. Got yes. to A L L. What's this? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. <laughs> All twelve issues of All Star Superman. Yes. Bagged and boarded, mint condition were there. Some yes. fool had parted with them previously. Yes. And I was like, well, I got to buy these. Right. And I got them all right there. Yes. Now I have all 12 issues. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Thank you. <laughs> It's one of those amazing buys where you're like, oh boy, this is why I clickety 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 go to dig through the back issues. Well, right, exactly. Yeah. So anyway, um, I can't promise you that, but I can promise you a spanking new cover of the collected edition of Grant Morrison's All Star Superman. Check that out. Mm-hmm. Also check us out on f- social media. We're on Facebook and Twitter, and you can find us on, of course, your podcatchers of choice yes. by searching for Just Enough Trope. And while you're there, subscribe to the show. That's the best way to get a hold of us. Mm-hmm. It's the best way to uh, check us out, see what we're up to, find out what's coming up on the show next. That's right. Uh, re- give us a review, if you would. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to hear from the fans and hear how you think we're doing. And give us a rating, at the very least, because that's how those services know that we're doing a good job. That's and right. And they will promote us to reach more people, broaden the audience. Yes. Broaden audience the audience <laughs> is what we're trying to do hashtag that right there so to that end give us five helmets that are thought controlled uh, yeah i like the fact that nostalgia can't make the helmet work she's like he did lex is having this epiphany and she's like lex i can't make my helmet work right it's thought controlled 
Because <laughs> of, of course it is. I also like when he goes back to his lair uh, where she's hiding out, and he's of course there's a huge steel door to keep Superman out, right? Right. And I'm sure he has the code to get in, but he just he goes just bam, knocks he knocks it, it down because he's got Superman power. He's yeah. like, ha, couldn't resist. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a pretty great. Yeah, it's great. Uh, so anyway, don't blow our doors in, though. Uh, do it metaphorically and give us five stars. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk about something else. Probably going to talk a little bit about Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. We'll make sure to let you know about spoilers. But I think going forward, we're going to have uh, some talks yes. about the old GOT as we wrap up this final season. So until then, we are signing off. I'm your host, Caliban. I'm your co-host, Mikan Keep Hannah. the geek fires burning. It's not easy to be.